Well, hello, everyone. It is I, the Stefan, joined by Brandon, also known as Temp, temporary username, and I am also known as Black Cyborg. But on this show, we are Stefan and Brandon. Brandon and Stefan, just two peas in a pod. How are you doing today? Doing good. How are you doing, Stefan? I'm doing great, Brandon. How are you doing? Son of a bitch, I already asked you. Damn it. Yeah, no, you did. I, I wasn't going to say Oh, anything. geez, embarrassing. All right, let's just start it over. <laughs> well, hello, everybody. I'm Stefan, joined by Brandon. We're two peas in a pod. And uh, how are you? <laughs> See, now you asked me a second time, so it's just a third. This is I a third. Oh, geez. <laughs> okay. Well, let's just skip it then. Um, anyways, we got some things to talk about. If you didn't listen to our last episode well then shame on you go listen to that but if you don't know what this show is all about it is the strip show it is where we cover comic strips movie strips and we'll cover some games and random topics as well but we're going to keep it mainly based on comics and movies and then discuss some games and etc when we feel like it when it's you know worth talking about but for anyways um each episode we're hoping to have some comics for that we're going to review and some comics for you and hopefully you guys will read them along with us, and that way when we review them and discuss them, you can kind of throw down your opinions and discussion in the comments as well, or on Facebook, whatever, and join us in that discussion, but also just kind of follow along. So hopefully you guys will, if you're not really super into comics, maybe you'll give them a chance, because we're going to be pointing out the better ones. We're not going to be just telling you to read something really bad or anything, or waste your money or time. So check out the ones we do recommend because they are the ones worth checking out. And yeah, maybe you will become a comic book reader if you're not super in like if you love superheroes, but you're not super into comics. Well, you know, maybe this can be that gateway for you. I mean, at one point I was in that boat where I I liked the movies. I liked the cartoons. I liked the video games, I liked playing with the toys, this and that and the other thing. But I was never that big into the comics just because I'm not a big reader, but comics are a different kind of reading so to speak and much more visual and fun and interesting and a lot of the best stories well the best stories for these characters are from the comics you're not going to get them in the movies you have some good stories yes and cartoons take a lot after the comics take a lot of the stories from the comics but if you want to see the stories as they were originally told and a hell of a lot more there's 75 plus years for some of these characters then check out the comics i mean why not and yeah especially if we head into injustice 2 if that does get announced it'd be cool to learn more about the characters am i right that way you get more excited for them and more pumped about them know more about who they are and maybe find some characters for your own personal wish list that you you know instead of just sticking with the popular ones that you know about that everybody talks about you can kind of have your own dr fate have your own um blue beetle etc that don't really get the love and yeah do that whole thing yeah, and if you choose not to read these comics with us, we are going to spoil everything. Yes, so yes. this is your heads up. Full spoilers. Full spoilers discussed on here. We will try and give you a plot synopsis and maybe like kind of just an idea of what they're about before we spoil everything, but we can't always guarantee that either. But we will do our best to let you know what we're going to be discussing. But it's not always going to be the case, but expect full spoilers nonetheless. And anyways, this week we are covering... Last week we actually covered... To start things off, one of my favorites, if not my favorite, Batman graphic novel is The Long Halloween, so go check that out. Awesome, awesome book. I know one person on Facebook, I can't remember who it was, 
was checking out the long Halloween just because we suggested it so hardcore. Like that that makes me happy. Even if it's just one person, we we reach out to one person to get them to actually be willing to try it. And I'd be willing to see what their opinion is because I, I don't know if they ever posted. So if you hear this, leave a comment or comment on the Facebook group if that was you. I can't remember. It's somebody that's commonly posting on our Facebook group. I just can't think of who exactly it was. Was wanting to check out specifically because of Temp's glowing review and hyping it up. So that's awesome. Well, that's interesting. Uh, let us know if you checked it out after you heard us talk about it. And let us know if the spoilers kind of factored into the experience at all. I'd be curious about that. I think they turned it off before the spoilers, but we will okay, see. Okay, cool. All right. That's either way. Yeah, I would love to hear it either way, what you thought about it. And let us know if it changed your opinion on comics at all. If you got you more interested, more willing to check some things out. But uh, we're going to and the other one was Green Lantern Blackest Night or Blackest Night. I guess it was just Blackest Night, not Green Lantern Blackest Night. So we we checked out that version of the events, the main event, so to speak, of that story arc. And so check out those reviews if you haven't. And we talked about Suicide Squad. We talked about some MKX stuff. And well, now let's get to episode two of the strip show. And thanks for joining us once again. And don't forget to hit like. I don't tell people to like us enough, but we get a lot of downlikes from someone in Finland. So it helps us a lot if you like our stuff. So it makes us feel not so bad because we're expecting six to ten dislikes. It's all the people that we know tune in, the 200 plus people that tune into our shows every time. Those are the people that, you know, even if 20, 30 of them like it, it at least shows that, hey, people care. So that's cool. And another thing is if you're not listening on iTunes and if you have iTunes and if that's a capability of yours, I mean, everybody can download iTunes for free, go download iTunes and rate our podcast. However many stars you think it's worth. I'm not going to tell you rate it five stars, how rate it however you want, because if it's rated and if it's rated well, especially that's how we reach more people. It's based purely on your ratings on iTunes, whether you get, whether your podcast shows up with others, that's, that's everything it's based off. And I know we don't have a whole lot of people listening on iTunes, and that's okay. But like I said, if you want to help us out, we're not asking for anybody's money. We're not asking for anything else. All you can do to help us out is just, one, keep tuning in. That's awesome, and that's great. And two, likes and stuff like that definitely help because it helps It helps get us known. I'm pretty sure comments and likes and views and stuff like that help get you seen more on YouTube as well. It puts your video up amongst like the recommended videos and stuff like that so i don't plug this kind of crap very often if not at all honestly i don't ever really talk about this kind of stuff or asking people to do these kind of things but you know if you're not growing you're dying and that sort of thing so you know it helps a lot so just figured i'd throw it out there comment too i, I enjoy reading your comments oh yeah guys. the interactions what keeps us going honestly if we had nobody that ever commented no facebook group nobody that directly interacted with us and we couldn't see the people that, you know, appreciated what we're doing. Like, we're just throwing stuff out there without any sort of response. Then it'd be kind of hard to keep doing it. I mean, we love to talk and we love to discuss things amongst ourselves. But we also like to see what you guys think and see your reactions to what we're discussing and see your opinions and hear your opinions, etc. on the same topic. So by all means, we love comments and we love interaction on Facebook and all that good good stuff. Anyways, let's get into the actual meat and potatoes of the episode this week we have planned for we we have our two comics that we need to 
review from our last week's, or not our last week's, but our last episode's recommendations, and that those are Dark Victory, the immediate follow-up of The Long Halloween, and also Kingdom Come, which is more of like an entire Justice League DC Universe type of comic, less so Batman-related, as they won't all will be. I know people, not everybody's a big Batman fan, and we're trying to branch out, and... I will at least guarantee you that if we're doing two, we won't do two Batman at the same time. <laughs> but I can't make any make any promises to not have Batman every single time or for a while because, honestly, there's a lot of good Batman ones out there. There's a reason why he's popular, and it's not just because it's the cool thing to like Batman or he has great movies. It's there's a lot of good Batman comics. I mean, obviously, that popularity had to... That foundation had to have built from somewhere to even get those movies, et cetera, et cetera. So there's... There's good stuff there, and the best movies of Batman have taken a lot of stuff from the comics, as a lot of other superheroes. So it's just a big talking point right now. Like Batman is on the horizon, and yep. you got Batman for Superman. And we saw Man of Steel. Like we know what to expect from Superman. We don't really know what to expect from Batman in this movie, other than what we've seen in the trailer. True. So that is true. He's kind of a big deal at the moment. Yeah, it's way up in the air. Every time we get a new Batman, new Batman movie, new Joker, any of that kind of stuff, or new new Batman uh, movie with new villains that we haven't seen, like that that gets me so pumped as a, a fan of the comics, the characters, Batman in general, fan of all the villains, etc. Every time a new movie is announced, I'm thinking, who's the characters going to be? Who are the characters? Who are the villains? That that was always my favorite. Going from Batman Begins to Dark Knight to Dark Knight Rises, it was always who's going to be the villain next time. So that was always something that got me super intrigued, super pumped. Because there's still villains they haven't done. There's still villains they haven't done well. And I mean, that was why I was a big fan of Nolan. Is I, you know, maybe not everyone was a fan of Bane or this or that or the other thing, but I thought he just had a way of making each villain work really, really, really well. And I was when they announced like Bane and Catwoman as the you know the character is going to be in the last one, and obviously a lot of people expected Talia Al Ghul. Um, I was just like, man, I wanted the Riddler, I wanted this, I wanted that, and I wanted to see how they would do, you know, this character or that character, but it was it was great seeing who we got. But yeah, it's always just like, I want, I, I want to see what they would do with the villains, so going into the Ben Affleck era of Batman, it'll be interesting to see what characters we get if we get any new ones or any of that good stuff. I'd like to see a Batman that takes on more supernatural villains, because I mean, I, I love Nolan's style of trying to make it a little bit more realistic, and there's nothing wrong with that take on Batman, but now that we've had that for, you know, eight years or whatever it was, I'd like to see, I'd like to see for a change a more, you know, I'd like to see Killer Croc done in a supernatural way. And obviously we have him in Suicide Squad, so that's more of a possibility. So anyways, enough rambling on that. Let's head on. Let's just jump right in to. There's a lot. Where did you want to start with? Because we have a bunch of stuff to talk about. Let's start with Daredevil, or not Daredevil, Deadpool. <laughs> That's coming, I'm sure. That is coming. That's coming along with Batman vs. Superman on the same day, even, at the end of the month of March. So that's going to be... a lot of material. That's going to give us a lot to talk about. We're going to have to basically consume a lot of Daredevil episodes. But I'm looking forward to it. I'm a big fan of Daredevil, the character. I was really sold once. Like, obviously, the stench of the Ben Affleck movie, the Fox movie, back when it came out in uh, early 2000s or whatever that was left a lot of you know it made care or made daredevil look like a lame character and that's not the case at all and I, I i even thought that i didn't care for daredevil at all i play the marvel ultimate alliance games didn't care for daredevil 
But it wasn't until I read his comics that I really started to like the character and love the character. And his newer comics are really good, so that might have to be on a recommendation list one of these upcoming episodes. But his newer comics are really, really well written. And obviously the Netflix show is going are already has won a lot of people over, so anyways, let's talk Deadpool. Deadpool reviews. Let's start off with our predictions for the Rotten Tomatoes scores. We're gonna follow up on that and I'm gonna we have every other movie. And honestly we might need to adjust our scores because, like our, our later scores, I mean. Oh yeah. Because we were way off and I don't know if it was just our lack of understanding of how Rotten Tomatoes can work. At least that's on my end. I was thinking wow well, I was thinking more like Metacritic style. Metacritic probably I'd be interested to see what Metacritic gave Deadpool, but I was thinking more of like a overall critic consensus of what this movie taking all the reviews into case. But that's not necessarily exactly how it works. So I'd be interested to probably alter a lot of our scores going forward and have those be our concrete ones, but just taking Deadpool into account as our little guinea pig for this whole experiment. First off, the Rotten Tomatoes is 83%. And it, it looks like it's staying there because after the movie came out for a little bit, it was 84%. But now it is it is settled at 83. I've I've kept checking over the past couple of weeks, so we we are stuck on 83%. And obviously that outperformed what we both thought it was because I have you marked down for 55%. Okay, I was wrong then. I thought it was 58, but I guess I said 55. Yeah. Okay. You're at 55, and I was at 65, lower than I thought. I I, th- I thought I was in the 70s, like 78, 75, somewhere around there, and I had it at 65. We both really did not. We I even listened back to some of our discussion, and we both thought, you know, the story wasn't going to be as strong, but they're going to have good comedy and good, you know, they're going to do Deadpool well, and it'll be what you expect. And I think we were both right, but it actually had a lot more story than we were expecting. Like they really It's almost the reverse. It had more story. Th- it wasn't quite it was still very funny. It wasn't quite as funny as I thought it was going to be. Sure, sure. But there was way more heart, way more yes, story yes. than I ever expected. It was a good origin story for sure. And yeah, they they definitely deserve the 83. I'm not that I thought it was a good movie. And um just to throw other people's percentages out there, we got Chris Sayago on YouTube gave Deadpool a 65%. So he was actually in agreement with me. And then we have Xander Rex with 78%. So he was actually the closest. So kudos to you, sir. Golf clap. Golf clap for Xander Rex. And if anybody else wants to participate going forward, actually, let me check Facebook just in case. So that way I don't miss anything. I don't want to neglect our Facebook group any. Um... So one second, let me go back through the Nethercast Facebook group. Uh, so go ahead and start talking about your thoughts on Deadpool uh, while I find these it was, stores. If it are. was phenomenal. I thought it was great. Um, I think the big question among my friends was Ant-Man versus Deadpool. Which one's going to be better? Um, I thought it was better than Ant-Man. And I'd be curious if Razor agrees with that because he was probably the biggest Ant-Man yeah, fan of all of really us. Yeah, he really liked it, yeah. Um, I thought it was really funny, um, very touching. You know, the jokes, it was not as funny as I thought it was going to be, but it was more clever than I thought. The jokes were smarter than I thought they were going to be. Sure. And in, in some ways, that's almost better. Um, and again, I, I can't say this enough, spoilers. But uh, I think the one thing that really took me off guard was he spends like half the fucking movie on that freeway. Not in terms of screen time, right. but just in terms of, 
that's the modern set yes. for half the movie, and you see everything else in flashback. It's all he very, doesn't get off that freeway till the half point. It's all very small time frame that it actually all takes place, which is kind of nice because it's not like I don't know. It's interesting because yeah, there's not a whole lot to it in terms of everything that happens, but what does happen all feels really well done. And actually, I want to shout out Kyle Borchert on our Facebook group. He's the one that said that he got Long Halloween. Um, Based on our stuff, he said, Temp and Cyborg convinced me to give it a try. My first non-MK comic. That is pretty awesome, dude. That's cool. Let us know what you think, dude. Yeah. We're curious. Don't follow up my dude with a dude. 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 You're right, man. No, you're supposed to say, I guess you have a point there. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time, dude. Basketball, for anybody that doesn't time. know. Yeah. Good old Spoilers. basketball. That's not really a spoiler. It's in the trailer. <laughs> um, let me keep scrolling. But yes, I agree with you. And you you keep doing your thing, and I will keep looking for this inevitable post that I made. Well, I mean, the thing for me was, I guess it's not a criticism, but it was just kind of a tease, because I was having a really good time when he was, you know, talking shit and doing things on that freeway. So whenever the movie just cuts abruptly and goes back into the flashback, I'm just like, oh, come on, you know? So. Right. Because I was having a good time, and um, the flashbacks were good, you know? Um, it took me a little bit to get warmed up, honestly. i got to be honest with you. Like There was definite funny moments in the beginning, but the funniest moment, and maybe the funniest moment in the whole movie, but the funny, the thing that really just made me laugh the hardest, the first thing anyways, but maybe, maybe of the whole thing was when he was trying to hit Colossus over and over yes, and I just agree. shattering his wrists and his, his ankle. And it just was so hilarious. He just had the T-Rex arms and the spaghetti yes. leg. Oh, that was hilarious to me. I laughed the hardest at that moment. And that's what really just warmed me up to the entire movie that at that, from that point forward, I really started to really get like clicking with it. No, I, I love the line that all the dinosaurs feared the T-Rex and then he kicks Colossus. I was like, that's really, really funny. I also loved when he's talking shit to Francis. He's like, his name's fucking Francis. He got the name from the dish soap. Yeah. And I'm like, that's fucking hilarious. I was dying. And then the, the clever jokes, you know, like um, when Colossus is like, we're taking you to the professor and he's like, uh, McAvoy or Stewart, I get these timelines confused. Yeah. Like, not the funniest thing, but it's the funnest thing, you know? There that was, just made me laugh. Definitely. There's definitely those moments where there's a lot of good shout-outs and fourth wall moments like that. Definitely did really well. I don't feel like they overdid it, but when they did it, it felt really well done. And yeah, there was a lot of good humor in this movie. It wasn't nearly as toilet humory as the first trailer made it out to be, so I was happy with that. Like, there was really... Very creative, smart humor in this, and I, I give it credit for that because I was worried we we're gonna, it was gonna be all poop jokes and middle fingers and you know crotch shots, etc. And it wasn't all that. I mean, they had a lot of, they had some of that, but they had a lot of good stuff mixed in with it, and it was just legitimate humor mixed in. So it was good. You could tell it was a passion project. We all know Ryan Reynolds put so much into this character. He was such a driving force for this movie happening. Of course, the Deadpool fans as well making. It a big, you know, obviously helping it happen after the leaked footage. But, um, yeah, so I, I admire and appreciate Ryan Reynolds' dedication to getting this character and this movie made, done, and made well and done well and true to the character. And I think they hit a home run in that aspect. If you wanted a Deadpool movie, this is what you got. 
The movie itself is almost Ryan Reynolds' very subtle fuck you to Fox Studios in a way. Yeah. Like, it's a very subtle, I told you so kind of movie, you know? Yeah. And there's little jabs that, you know, they call, you know, Fox Studios asshats in the opening credits. The brilliant opening credits, might I add. Oh, those are good. A, oh, phenomenal. Probably, dare yeah. I even say, my favorite opening credits since... I want to say Zombieland. Zombieland had really fun opening credits. Yeah. Um, I, I never really thought about the question, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not something I thought of either, but the first one that comes to my mind that I really enjoyed was Zombieland. They had really good opening credits. The slow motion yeah, as uh, they're running away from zombies. Little girls, like, they have, like, the, the soccer mom and all the little girl zombies and stuff. There was a lot of good, funny moments in the credits of Zombieland that I thought, and with the text being, like, overlaid on the screen that looked really well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't think of any many great opening credit scenes. And the but big I, one that comes one is, to mind is Terminator Two. That is a really good opening. Yeah, credits. that's true. That's true. And Ghost in the Shell. If anyone's seen that, that is also a very strong opening credits. Um, but no, I mean, I, I it would be hard pressed to say this isn't the best one I've ever seen because I enjoyed this one more. I mean, atmosphere right. is great, music is great, but I've never laughed this hard at an opening credits, and this was brilliant. It was good. I mean, the whole movie was very well done and very brilliant, and they deserve all the success they're getting. And let's talk about that success for a moment, because this is a rated R movie. So many times studios say they, they need to make it PG-13 because they rated R movies don't sell. They don't do well in the box office. That's just a fact. A lot of rated R movies, if not most, do not sell well, because obviously you're cutting out a huge demographic in teenagers and those are the people that like movies the most i would say or at least like going to the movies quite a bit and obviously kids as well you cut out because some parents some parents will bring their kids to the movie but others won't and at the end of the day yeah you're you're cutting out huge demographics and that's not going to sell as many tickets i mean all things considered you'll you'll still see some good sales but all things considered you're not going to hit nearly the numbers you do with PG-13 superhero movies, as we usually get nine times out of ten. I mean, Kick-Ass 2, for an example, didn't sell incredibly well, and that was rated R, so... But Deadpool shattered everything. It shattered... And not only shattered things for a rated R movie, it's contending with PG-13 movies. It blew out all the other X-Men movies in terms of sales. That's crazy. Domestically, anyways, I should say. But opening day, it's set... I'm pretty sure it set a rated R movie record for opening weekend and all That's that. what I heard as well. It's and it's yeah, it's it's broken a lot of records and like I said domestically it's made more than X-Men has and that's like other X-Men movies and that's crazy. Well, it's awesome and it's kind of scary at the same time cuz James Gunn wrote a really cool article about yes, how Yes, I've read Don't that. misinterpret this Hollywood. Don't artificially make things that shouldn't be rated R rated R and I thought that was a really good article right right that because I did not read but I have heard a lot of good things about they're gonna well his he was touching on the fact that uh, like executives are going to and studios are gonna take this and they're gonna get the wrong message from it they're gonna take the wrong like takeaway from it in the fact that they're gonna want to they're gonna think rated R means successful so they're gonna make rated R movies and they're gonna push those boundaries just to just to make the money from them when Deadpool worked because it stayed true to what it should have been. Making this a PG-13 movie would not have worked. Making it rated R movie is what was necessary to tell the character correctly. 
that's what the moral of the story should be. Stick to what the story requires and needs to be told well. If it's rated R, it's PG-13, it's PG or G, no matter, out of any of those categories, you can have a successful movie for any ages. You can have a G-rated movie that still appeals to adults if it fits what it's trying to tell. Basically, you don't push something into, into something that it's not just for money and just because if it's if it's supposed to be a rated R movie and you push it to be are you you throw the shackles onto it and it's only a P, and you make it only PG-13 because you're afraid of losing money you're doing that movie a disservice but don't but that also on the flip side doesn't mean purposely make it rated R just because you think that's the hip cool new thing so yeah yeah and we're in the right. age of trends more than any other era i think trends are really dominating in hollywood right now I don't think we've ever seen so many dominant, like, patterns in Hollywood than we have today. Right. Which has made it hard for anything original to come out. I mean, that's the flip side. All these Marvel movies are great, especially when you get things like Avengers or Captain America Winter Soldier. But the problem is we'll never see anything like Highlander ever again because of that. And that makes me a little sad. Yeah. And one more thing we should touch upon that's somewhat related is Batman vs Superman apparently is going to have a rated R director's cut like an ultimate director's cut release on Blu-ray your thoughts on that and a lot of people quickly jump to the I mean a lot of people were very sensible in the comment sections that I've read that are like listen I know a lot of people right now are saying oh it's just doing this to ride the Deadpool bandwagon like it's gonna of course it's gonna put out a rated R version because of the Deadpool success. Guys, and a lot of people pointed this out, this movie was in the can like a year ago. <laughs> this, they, Whatever they've filmed that they're going to put on this thing to make it a rated R uncut version has already been filmed, which means at one point or another they considered putting it in, but they cut it for one reason or another because probably they wanted it to be PG-13. So having a rated R version makes sense, and the rated R is only coming from additional violent content that they stripped out. So to me, I don't think it's it's them trying to copy Deadpool's success to me. And especially because Zack Snyder, as far as I'm concerned, didn't he put he put out a director's version of Watchmen that was highly successful. So this is not something that's unheard of for him. I, I'm extremely mixed on this because what did they film that would have made the movie rated R? Violence. From a story perspective. Violence. Batman being brutal doomsday perhaps being brutal i don't know i guess we'll find out in time i mean straight like br like brutality and combat it's really hard to get an r rated on just that alone so my question know. is what did you do Zack snyder if, if it's <laughs> what did good, you do yeah if it's good then cool but you know me dude i don't trust Zack snyder with anything like i wouldn't trust him with a cup of coffee just, just, I don't. I, I do not like Zack Snyder. I, I think Watchmen was good. I, I think everything else he's ever done has been pretty weak. See, not I liked shit, but weak. See, I like Three Hundred. I liked Watchmen. I like Man of Steel. So honestly, the dude, he's done a lot of things I have liked. I love his art style, of his cinematography. I love his directing style, and yeah, he does do a lot of things that I, like the color desaturation and stuff like that. We've talked about in certain story decisions and directions, but. Overall, I mean, I, I liked all of those movies, so I can't complain. But in terms of the rated R version, 
I'm curious as well, because honestly, I've just I know it's been said that it's going to be due to violence that's been stripped out, which makes sense, because if you're going to try and cut a PG-13 rating and there's certain things that are pushing that rating that maybe they were told to strip out by the FCC or whatever or the MPAA, whoever does that kind of crap, um, the, re- the ratings review board or I don't know. Um, I mean, it, it, it just depends. I mean. We'll know more soon, hopefully, but we'll definitely, yeah, I'm just saying we'll definitely have to watch it when it comes out to, and we'll, we'll obviously give our thoughts on it here, but you were saying to me, Zack Snyder is like a modern day Ridley Scott, which is weird saying because Ridley Scott is still doing shit. Yeah. Ridley Scott has fantastic ideas and brilliant style. I could say the same thing for Zack Snyder. But he's just not smart enough to execute his own ideas. They're good ideas, but something always gets lost. I thought Prometheus was a piece of shit. I thought The Martian was very, very mixed. I thought The Martian was a very flawed movie. I, I It wasn't bad. I enjoyed it, but... I'm still looking forward to seeing There's that. a lot of dumb shit in that movie. Um, The new Robin Hood I didn't see. We'll have to discuss that, because I've been wanting to watch it. I know it's on Redbox now. I think Gladiator is just dumb. I don't like that movie, and I don't wow. know why I don't like that movie. I, I really don't I like Gladiator. Man, I liked it. Man, you are just... Yeah, a lot of people You like are it. a cinema snob, you. <laughs> yeah. Let's I mean, just put, gla- let's put glasses on you, put you in a chair with a robe, and just have you talk like that. It's like the cinema snob. Shave my head? Yeah, I like the cinema snob, but... Maybe you lose a lot of weight in a very but short... But he does it in a very... <laughs> he does a very tongue-in-cheek, <laughs> spoofy way. You are the legitimate oh, cinema love, snob over here. I love over. Brad Jones. Brad Jones. Yeah, no, he's I great. mostly like him for his midnight screenings. I like seeing his reviews, and uh, we sure. don't always see eye-to-eye, but we see we do see eye-to-eye on quite a bit of... Uh, on quite a few things. Um, But... I mean, I, talk, I don't know the guy. <laughs> we don't have conversations on our free time about movies eye to eye but you know what i mean though like i don't it's like doug walker i don't always agree with his opinions right right i, um, I agree mad max being one of those opinions but anyway um yeah it just i think Zack snyder i think i think with the proper limitations his talent can go to very good use and watchman was good but it was good because he stuck to a frame and worked within it you know, um, I never saw Sucker Punch. I'm not going to bust his back for that. Yeah, I never, uh, I never that saw that been... either. I have some people who defend... I know I have friends who strongly defend Sucker Punch. They thought that movie was undersold. Um, so we'll see. I mean, uh, it's funny. I, th- I agree with you. Deadpool is not the reason there's an R-rated cut of Batman vs. Superman. I think Deadpool might be the reason that cut is going to see the light of day. I think that's the reason. I mean, it's they announced it now and not earlier. And you're right. They've had the footage filmed forever. So the announcement seems a little timely to me. Possible. But, it's possible. I mean, we'll see at the end of the day. But like I said, it's not out of... I mean, Warner Brothers was in control of Watchmen. And that got a director's cut, did it not? So... Yeah, I mean, that's true. I don't um, know. We will see. And, and Watchmen, I think, I think worked better also because of the performances. I mean, he had a very good cast. Uh, unfortunately, I feel like Gerard Butler's kind of been found out. I think we deemed him a good actor a little too early in his career. And he sort of, I, I think they put him in very ambitious roles. I think he's a good actor, but like I said, in a very specific capacity. Well, now he does like romantic comedies. I mean, that's pretty much what he does, so. Like I, even though I don't care for the movie much, Olympus Has Fallen, he does a very good job in that movie. Never saw um, it. 
you're not missing much, dude. Um, it's it, it's what it is. It is the epitome of five out of ten. Uh, but yeah, I think he's he's cool in the right capacity. They got that new Gods of Egypt movie coming out. Yeah, which looks like schlock to me. Looks like yeah. a CGI like mess. Yeah, yeah. Those it's ones like never really. Titans, like remake, you know, it just it just doesn't. Yeah, look. no, those don't really appeal to me. But anyways, um, so those are thoughts on Deadpool. Very, very cool movie. Exactly what it, exactly what it needed to be. So I'm glad to see it have such such high success. And I hope the studios take the right uh, moral from this. Is that you can take chances. I think that's the ultimate takeaway from this. Other than the ratings thing, whether it should be rated R or PG-13, more than anything, take chances because dead giving Deadpool his own movie was taking a chance. Giving in, in a in a world where we live in, where like I said, Wonder Woman, etc., haven't had their own movies yet, and obviously those are on the pipeline. Finally, from DC, take more chances, DC, but do it in a way where you're very passionate and you make sure you get the right people to make it, and you yourselves don't over try and control it. Get people that know what they're doing, that have a passion for the movies and the characters and the stories, and adapt them from the comics. Get good acting, get good writing, and there you go. Don't put your trust, and more than anything, don't put your trust in the wrong people. That's yeah. The only reason Deadpool is good is because Fox backed the fuck off. Yes, That's, exactly. They wanted nothing to do with the project. Like, I was watching Ryan Reynolds on on the Google Talk thing, and he was saying that you know, he at X Men Origins, he tried to tell them, he tried to sit, he tried telling them, if you sew Deadpool's mouth shut, you're gonna piss off a lot of people. And their response was, are you going to take the role or not? He's like, fine, whatever. This means playing Deadpool. And it's interesting because this kind of changed the way I saw Wolverine Origins. But that movie didn't really have a fleshed out script. They were making their lines up kind of as they went. Because that was during the writer's strike. So Ryan Reynolds, I can't speak for all the other actors, but Ryan Reynolds basically wrote all of his own lines in that movie. And they're good. I thought his his, his yeah. lines were strong. Oh, yeah. Before yeah. yeah, before the surgery and everything, he was it was a strong character. So yeah, I agree. It's just I don't know. Take calculated risks, but don't be afraid. You know, don't be afraid to do a Guardians of the Galaxy. Don't be afraid to do a Deadpool. Because these things can work. They just have to be done right and marketed right. If anything, Deadpool was marketed probably the best I've seen a movie marketed Maybe. ever. Yeah. yeah. I mean ever. I mean, you can give credit to like a, a Cloverfield and stuff like that that market it pretty well because they they get people intrigued and they don't you know blow their load in the trailers. But Deadpool is done on such a different level in the way that they marketed to everybody. Every holiday there was a Deadpool themed marketing. They had the they had really good trailers. They had they had posters for this that made it look like a love story which it was it it turned yeah yeah, it turned out to be a really you know love story but they made it look like just some schlock chick flick and it works and it works even if two people two girls bought a ticket because of those stupid posters (laughs) then it works and that's my point is it was handled so well from the top to bottom it worked it's amazing what happens when you actually do something effectively from top to bottom and you back the fuck up so take that as your ultimate lesson here not the rating the r rating is not why deadpool did amazing 
I mean, it's contributed, but it's not the rating itself. It's just letting the people make the movie the way it should have been made. Because far too often, Hollywood only goes with what's proven. Deadpool was not a proven movie before it was made. Now it has proven itself. So now you're going to see a lot of movies that are like copycats like it. But the reason why that doesn't take the right message is because Deadpool was its own unique thing. And that's what we need to see a lot more from Hollywood is unique things and a lot more risk taken that are done well. But It's also a very specific type of R-rated movie. Um, it's kind of R-rated the same way that like a Kevin Smith movie is R-rated. Sure. Like there is a lot of violence, but... I feel like it has the beating heart of a PG-13 movie with a lot of violence. Like. Yes, yes. Everything's just amplified. It's not It's not an R rating to be an R rating. It's an R rating because, like I said, it's the fun of the character. They, they didn't hold back with any of the things that the character is known for, and they went even crazier than the comics go. So I was a little cool. confused on that. Is Does Deadpool have that strong of a moral center in the comics i always thought he was more crazy and morally ambiguous in the comics i couldn't tell you i don't read deadpool comics i don't know yeah i have no and um i don't know so that'll be interesting to see other deadpool fans comment on that let me know in the comments guys because that that was kind of confusing not bad i i think a moral deadpool is a more interesting deadpool i think crazy when not done properly gets old quick but yeah I did feel... Here's another thing. Let me know if you agree. I feel like there was kind of a disconnect between Deadpool with the mask and Deadpool's character without the mask. It almost kind of felt like two characters sometimes. Did, did you feel that way at all? Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, I, I like I, once that mask was on, he became a little more... A little less human, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was definitely interesting. I don't it was all psychological, though, because, I mean, it's not like his, uh, it's not like he didn't do, say, crazy shit. Like, one of my favorite lines in the movie was, hey, I left you 100 grams of cocaine next to the cure for blindness. I thought that was fucking brilliant. <laughs> yeah. um, and that was no mask, but that was very in line. I, know, I think it's all psychological, to be honest with you, but I'm curious if anyone else felt that way. Yeah. I mean, I think you're onto something there. Um, all right, well, let's move on to what else do we have to discuss? Actually, real quick. Yeah. Before we do that, let's reevaluate our percentages. I don't remember what the other percentages we gave, just because I'm not going to go back to the episode, and that's honestly another reason to do this is because that way I can oh, just sure. I can mark them down now, so I don't have to filter through that entire episode to find all of our things. So let me get a notepad, and then I will keep all of these handy going because I mean we got to cover the whole year, so let me get this going, and then we will reevaluate based on. Cause I, like I said, I didn't, I wasn't quite sure how I usually go to Metacritic for ratings. I mean, I've, I've since gone to Rotten Tomatoes a bit more, but, um, I'm more familiar with Metacritic and for Metacritic to get anything in like the mid eighties or higher is really difficult. You have to have kind of a beloved thing right off the bat. So I was not expecting that high of a percentage, but so let me, if I can find where the hell notepad is, let's see here. Uh, let's see if Cortana will let me. One second. I still have an upgrade to Windows 10. Uh, Cortana, no. She's, I think my mic's being taken up right now, so that's why she's probably not going to answer me. Let's see, notepad. I'll just type notepad in here. There we go. Okay. So... Let's see, we got Dawn of Justice, so Batman vs Superman next. I'm going to say 
Hmm. It, it'd be interesting if it beats Deadpool, honestly. Um, but I will say for Dawn of Justice, I'm expecting... I'm going to say 82%. I think it's going to come up just shy. It's hard to remember what I said. I can't remember if I was more optimistic or less optimistic. Man, let me... Yeah, I still need to think. Like, I am so... I feel like I'm less optimistic now. I think it's going to do better than Man of Steel. But Rotten Tomatoes is... Rotten Tomatoes is kind of the opposite. It's easy to get a 90 or a 30. It's hard to hit that mid-range. I think 60 is very unlikely. Right. It's either going to be 70 or 50. (laughs) But if I had to commit, I will say 72. You're going that low? Yeah. Or it's either that or like 50. Man. Oh, man. I just looked at the Metacritic score for Deadpool, and you know how I was like, man, I'm so much more familiar with uh, Metacritic. It got a 65. (laughs) (laughs) It got exactly what I guessed. Nice. So, yeah, like, I don't know. I'm just more used to that. But, yeah, let's... Now that I have a better understanding, I'm thinking... And you're right. It is very... With Metacritic... Okay, now we're getting we're getting a trailer for Deadpool, so that's that's definitely playing for everybody. <laughs> you just heard like a very small snippet of that audio, so I might have to cut that out so we don't get fucking copyright uh, flagged because it played like a song for a second. Um, anyways, I'm trying to think, man, because you're right though. Rotten Tomatoes is very high or very low. There's very little middle ground, whereas Metacritic middle ground is almost the name of the game. 50s and 60s and 70s for Metacritic are very common. It's a true average. It is. Um, I'm thinking for Rotten Tomatoes, Batman vs. Superman, I'm just trying to like analyze what... Actually, let's do this the smart way. Let's look up on Rotten Tomatoes what the other movies got. So sure. we, we have a frame of reference here. So we got... Pull my keyboard a little bit from my mic. Batman begins Batman Begins was in 85 The Dark Knight that one's going to be ridiculously high 94 and The Dark Knight Rises is 87 okay and then Man of Steel 56 yuck yuck (laughs) That's why it's rotten. Uh, let's try Watchmen. Yeah, it is rotten. It's a show. I wonder. I don't know what Watchmen got actually. That's gonna be interesting. Sixty-five, fresh. Okay. Okay, so I feel like it's gonna be somewhere in the middle of all of those. I don't think it's gonna go any lower than fifty-three. I, I I really don't feel like it's gonna go lower than Man of Steel. I feel with Batman in the mix and Wonder Woman, you're gonna at least have the fun factor of that more so than what you had with Superman. So. Yeah, I'm going to stick with 82, actually. I think now I'm feeling more confident with 82. I think it's going to be good, but I don't think it's going to touch Batman Begins through Dark Knight Rises. But it's it's going to be, and I, I would imagine it'll be better than Watchmen. So I'm, I'm thinking 82. Feeling confident on that. It's very possible. I mean, I could be totally wrong about this movie, but I feel like it's almost too big to succeed at this point. It's just they're trying to do too much. And I'm worried they're not... I mean, it, even in the hands of a not Zack Snyder, this is a tough balance. You know, it's going to be so hard to bring all these elements together properly. So what do you got? 
what was your 72 score? 70, I think 72? is what I mean. so I'm trying to stay optimistic for it okay 72 I mean that's not a bad score I think that's I I think somewhere between our scores is probably highly likely where it's going to fall 72 to 82 I think is a very if I had to place bets now, if it gets 90, that'd be amazing, or even higher 80, that'd be great, and I would be really upset if it goes below 72. Like, I would, I'd feel bad, but it's possible. Well, both of those scores are hard to get. You're just going to get something between 80 and 100, and something between 0 to 40. Sure. Because the fact is, when you're averaging pass or fail votes, most critics tend to agree. Very few movies are mixed. Most movies tend to be more lopsided you right. know there's usually a critical consensus it's rare when there's not right all right and then we got up next we have captain america civil war and let's look at those for comparison yep. 92 because i i remember even in the first episode we did where we did this um i remember looking at the rotten tomatoes and they were way higher than i expected them to be for a lot of these movies so that's also, another reason to reevaluate some of these. All right, the very first Captain America got nine percent rotten. Yeah, but that's from like nineteen ninety one. Nineteen ninety. I know it was a joke. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Heil Hitler. <laughs> um, now the the first Captain America got uh, Captain America. I'm not seeing it on here. Let's let's see. Click more movies here. The first Avenger got seventy nine percent. Lower than I would have expected. That's lower than I thought, too. That's kind of surprising. It's one of my favorite Marvel. It's in my top three or four of the Marvel Studios ones. Um, and Winter Soldier got 89%. Much better. And these are the same writers of Winter Soldier, just to put things in perspective. And we have a lot more characters at play. It's a very interesting story. So I'm going to say... Whew, I feel like it's got to be at least 80s. So I'm going to say, man, is it going to outperform Winter Soldier or not? That's the tough question. Probably. I mean, in terms of, oh, like, in terms of sales or critics? In in terms of um, Rotten Tomatoes score. If it's I don't, going to out. I think it'll be right under. I think it's going to barely miss the mark. Okay, I'll, what, what's yours first since I gave mine first last 92. time? 92. Even though that's about, even though that's higher than Winter Soldier, um, <laughs> so you just completely <laughs> counteracted. No, what no, you just I'm said. completely countering because I, I wasn't thinking straight. I, I, I said 92 earlier, but that was before you said that Winter Soldier got an 89, which I thought was higher. Right. So, I will say, I will say it'll probably be like 85 because I think people are so superhero fatigued right now. Perhaps. But I feel like these writers know what they're doing, and I feel like with the characters, they're going to hit a home run. I'll say 91, and we'll see who out of the two hits it right on the mark or closer. I'll be that I'm guy. I'm second-guessing myself. I'll be that guy on Price is Right where I put it one below yours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's $423. I'm going to go with 424 <laughs> You son of a bitch. All right, except for it's closest without going over, technically. Um, okay, next up we have X-Men Apocalypse. And let's look at that for comparison real quick. Menomina. All right, we got X-Men. The first movie was 81%. We have 
X-Men 2. Let's see, more movies here. X-Men 2, X-Men United, uh, 86%. X-Men Last Stand, 58%. Those are both higher than I thought. Then we have X-Men Origins Wolverine, 38%. And then X-Men First Class, 87%. And the one that matters more than any of those, because obviously it's Brian Singer, as were the original two. But this is newer with the newer cast, so it's kind of... A better understanding would be the la- latest one, Days of Future Past, was 91%. Man, that is good. It's earned. Like, I think that's a really good movie. It is good. It is good. It's my favorite, with only first, cla- first class being close second. I really enjoyed the newer ones, honestly, more than the older ones. And I really like the X-Men, my favorite Marvel group. Anyways, I will throw down at... feel like it's going to be less just because you don't have like the nostalgia factor of the two groups coming together but i have a feeling it's still going to do really really well i feel like it's going to just barely out surpass actually i'm going to tie it with first class i'm going to put 87 percent. and we're talking apocalypse now yep yep man this one's hard because we we know so little about it it's really tough is not even in the trailer and I, I think the reason why Wolverine's not in any of the trailers yet is because he's in the movie, but he's wearing the mask. And they don't want anyone to know about it yet. It's possible. That would be pretty yeah. sweet. That would be sick. Um, so, uh, It is really, really tough because either well, this thing bombs and it's disappointing and it goes down 70s, 60s, 50s, or it is just as good as First Class and Days of Future Past, and then you just got to figure out where amongst it it's gonna rate it's also hard because the trailer looks so fucking bad to me the trailers look awful the newer one i thought looked good but yeah i agree with you on the first one was a little iffy even the newer one just like eh but days of future past was like it looked like a fucking corn pile when we saw that trailer <laughs> and that ended up being amazing so but it's different factors it, it was, days of future past was good because it was a great utilization of logan that's why that movie was so good right they had a great character and they knew what to do with them so, uh, 68%. Ooh, I don't think wow. he's going to strike twice. You think it's just going to tank. Man, that's... Well, 68% fresh. That's still not horrible. Yeah, but that is... You got to put things into perspective here. First one did 81%. Second one did... Uh, where was the second one? United, 86%. So we have 81, 86. Last stand was 58 Origins, we're not even going to count, doesn't even matter. First Class was 87%, and Days of Future Past, 91. 68 is a huge drop-off from that. That's a fall from grace right there. Whether it's I mean, fresh still or not. Last Dan got 58%. That blows my mind. That that should be in like the low 30s, but... Um, I don't know. I'm going to stick to my guns here. Right. I, I think Days of Future Past was so well-received... Well because it probably has the strongest balance of comedy and drama I've seen in a while. Even more so than the Marvel movies like Iron Man or Avengers. I feel like those movies are almost comedies at heart with really good action in them. Days of Future Past hit a really nice equilibrium of really funny, laugh-out-loud moments and strong drama. I don't think that's going to happen twice. 
especially with Jennifer Lawrence helming the ship. I, I don't think that's going to happen again. We'll see. We'll see. I, Indeed. I would I be. I would be honestly shocked if it got lower than seventy-five percent. Honestly shocked. Like I do wrong? not see it at, in in any circumstances, under any circumstances, unless it completely bombs, getting lower than seventy-five. If they make a good movie with apocalypse in it, I'll be the first one to say I was wrong, and I'll be the happiest person in the room. I mean, you got Psylocke in there. Oh man, but. Psylocke is good. Magneto. I mean, you got all the good they're cast. They're very bad female characters, and that goes for Days of Future Past, honestly, as well. They're not terrible. Brian like Myst- Singer's a little better at it. What's up? I was just saying, I like Mystique in there, and I liked uh, Kitty Pride, and I like Blink. I like all those three. Kitty Pride is good. I mean, her role is diminished compared to really like sure, Beast sure. or Xavier. Mystique, to me, is more of a plot device than a character. You know, it's more important. Her role is more important than her personality. Um, I also don't really, I don't really think Mystique is particularly well written. She's going to damn the whole mutant race <laughs> because she's mad. Like, that's, because Nixon's an asshole. That's if not, that's a good portrayal of women, like a spot on betrayal, <laughs> then I don't know what it is if that's not. <laughs> women hold grudges, dude. <laughs> No, no, that's not do. like a sexist thing. That's just a fact. I'm pretty sure that's scientifically proven. Not all. This is obviously blanket statement. Well, it's just it's hormones. Yes, I, yes. You know, women have women know that they do levels that. of hormones. If I so had a nickel, it, if I had a nickel for every time a woman's like, "I'm a woman," what do you expect? <laughs> like, I got upset. <laughs> My emotions got the best of me. Yeah, we're not saying our our, our male brains are superior. Oh no, that's why we're not as emotional. Not no, by any means. No. no, no, no. I would but just. We have less estrogen, and that sure. makes our emotions work a little differently. No, no, and that's why Mystique is a badly written character. I don't pick sides. I definitely think everyone has their own issues. Um, anyways, next up we got. Uh, let's see here in this long plethora of movies. Actually, we only have two more. Um, Suicide Squad, which well, I feel like get to that. I want to say that I am worried about Psylocke because what's her name? The diamond chick with ice and telepathy. The white queen. Emma, Emma Frost? Emma Frost was, I think, botched. So if if Psylocke is as good as Emma Frost, this is gonna be like this is gonna be like a zero out of a million. <laughs> Emma I'm Frost. Be so mad. Emma Frost was pretty botched. Which is a shame because in um I wanna say X-Men Origins, wasn't she like she was just like a little kid at that point, I yeah, think. But yeah, she, she had the she diamond cool. skin while everyone was getting out of the It was a very minor cameo, yeah. But I liked I liked the I liked what I saw there, but yeah, in the in first class, that was she didn't she was probably my least favorite part about that. She didn't She do... was a sex kitten. I mean, a sex kitten is just not good for character development. It's she looked like she was out of a James Bond movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I just... Psylocke's my favorite X-Men. I don't want her to fuck her up. I want her to do super moves and shit. All right, well, let's see. We got Suicide Squad, which doesn't really have a comparison to go off of. Unless unless I knew... I mean, the guy's done other movies, but I don't really care to look that up. This is going to be something different. Um, and honestly, we got a much, much, much better trailer than when we first made our predictions back on the graveyard. So... Now I feel a little bit more confident in this. I don't know what I gave it last time, but I'm going to say... Uh, actually, it's your turn to go first. <laughs> I'm going to say 
High 60s, 68. That's good, though. That's not a bad score. I think it's going to be really fun. I think it's going to be very enjoyable. I, I think with the, the Bohemian Rhapsody trailer, it shows that tonally they're going for something a little more interesting than, than just the gritty, we're the Suicide Squad kind of movie, you know? Right. I'll give it 74% on this one. That's very possible. Yeah, I think it... I think it's it's going to have some problems for sure, but I think the overall fun factor is going to win a lot of people over. And Harley Quinn, of course. And it just, I mean, it definitely looks like a good, fun popcorn movie to just really have a good, fun ride with, with characters we are not used to seeing. So I'll say 74%, which definitely isn't a bad score at all. Um, and finally, we have Doctor Strange, which we have, this is just complete shot, shot in the dark, but it is a Marvel Studios movie. And... I don't know if there's been one that's gotten lower than like 75%, maybe. Let's check. Let's see. We have. Let's check some of the earlier ones because we know the later ones probably already have really good scores. Let's see. Hulk. Oh, The Incredible Hulk had 67, so. Eh, I don't know. This will be tough, but I, I think they've been getting. They've gotten better, and this isn't. I don't think this will be an Incredible Hulk type thing, which I thought was still a decent movie, but. um. I'm going to give Doctor Strange 83%. My score is fairly close. I was going to say 81. Okay. For I mean, Benedict Cumberbatch alone is going to sell this movie for a lot of people. Critics alike. He's a very good actor. He doesn't always get good scripts, but he's a very good actor. All right, then. So we got Batman vs. Superman, me with 82, you with 72. Civil War, me with 91%, you with 92, that's our closest. X-Men, uh, you with 80... I'm getting confused here. This is this is not good. I fucked up. Hold on one second. Yeah, I hope you're writing all this down. No, I wrote it, I wrote it all down. Excellent. I just... I was putting mine first, even though you would guess first. I was putting mine in on the list first. On some of these, let me get it straightened out. So here, so X Men were good. I can just tell by looking at what ones short are smaller or like <laughs> a less number. <laughs> which ones yours are? Because <laughs> yours are less in every single one except for one, and that's Captain America: Civil War, where I said ninety one percent and you said ninety two. Which and it's good that you're writing these down because as history has shown, I'm not going to remember any of these scores. Right, right. Me, these are all very in the moment. Man, Civil War. I'm still such. I'm st- that one to me, like I would not be surprised to see like a 94, 93. It surpassed both of ours. And that might be the only one that does surpass both of ours other than Deadpool. But now that we actually have a, a better idea, I'm, I'm, I would not be surprised if that's the only one that surpasses both of us. Cause I have, if anyone has the biggest potential to just completely dominate and do really, really, really well, I think it's that. Yeah. Anyways. So I'll st- stick with 91, though. Um, let me save this. Do, do, do. Score, predict. Okay, boom, saved. That's done. Let's move on to the next thing as we round out the first hour. Let's move on to some Evil Dead. Let's just give our general thoughts over it, because it's been a while at this point. So I don't really have as much to say anymore. <laughs> but uh, real quick to sum up my thoughts is I thought it was really good um, portrayal of Ash, of course. Bruce Campbell always does well. I liked 
and this is spoilers, of course. And I, I liked the episodes. The only it was great comedy. There was a lot of moments where I just laughed my ass off, like and just such subtle humor in a lot of those, just little one-liners and quips that you might not fully catch if you're just not paying attention. There's a lot of those. Um, I love when his name Pablo, or is that what he calls yes, him? I no no he calls him Hefe. Hefe. No, he calls. No, the no, Pablo calls him Hefe. Yeah, but what is is that his name Pablo though? The other character. No, I know that's what he goes by the whole series. I don't know if that was ever. Well, I love <laughs> quick quick mention to the when he's like when they're sitting in the car before they go into the bookshop or whatever shop that was, and the magic shop or whatever the hell where all that stuff goes down, where he's like. He's like, you know, I'm not Mexican, right? <laughs> He's like, that's the spirit. <laughs> it's just like, it's just such an such an ash thing to say. Like, it's just like, oh my god, he played this character so well, and it just makes me wish we could get another Evil Dead movie. And oh my god, I I recently actually read through the Ash versus or J- Freddy versus Jason versus Ash comics. I read through the first. Um, the first set that they did and I, those are really really good I enjoy those too maybe we'll have to cover those someday way down the line but I really enjoyed those and seeing Ash kind of battle those characters and have some one-liners etc but this this series was great and I had a lot of fun watching it I watched through all 10 episodes or whatever it was in one sitting that's how good they were and they were only like half an hour long I think other than the first episode but it was really, really good. Real, a whole lot of fun and did the character great justice. And the effects were exactly what you would want. They were very old, classic, um, practical effects. And some fun characters in there. I ended up liking, you know, I like the girl. I like Pablo. I like the cop that joins them. So, I mean, there was likable characters in my opinion. Depressing that the cop woman died. But I thought she was a lot of fun when she turned into one of the Deadites. She, you could tell she was having a lot of fun doing that after she... She's, like, kept just calling them bitches and stuff. Like, she was just having good fun with that, so... I think that was the idea. I think they originally... I mean, I have no idea if this is true, but... It seems like they wrote the story for her to live. And they killed her at the last minute because she wanted to be a deadite. It's possible. Like, sure, you know? Because, yeah, that was definitely depressing. Um, it was it was really unexpected. Like I I did not see that coming. It really felt like they were building up a love interest. But right. maybe Ash, the whole idea of Ash, he's, he's not supposed to have. It's like Mad Max. It's like yeah. Mad Max. I mean, the reason why spoilers, Mad Max is always by himself at the end of the movie, and he always goes off by himself, is because that's just kind of he's a loner. At the end of the day, he loves, he helps people, he gets helped, and yada yada yada. But at the end of the day, he's a loner, and I think he prefers it that way. He doesn't want to lose his family all over again, so to speak. Um, and yeah, you get kind of that with Ash, but, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And the only thing I have that's a negative is man, was that ending a downer? (laughs) Like, holy crap. That was such a downer after everything they went through, everything they battled, the people they lost at the end of the day to let the devil woman or whatever, the one that started it all win and they're just like the whole world's going to shit but they have like immunity so to speak what a bummer and obviously they're gonna pick it up with season two and you know keep going with it and battle them again i'm sure it'll be an ongoing story but wow what a bummer (laughs) yeah yeah wasn't a fan was not a fan 
I am. Um, I, I agree with most of what you said. I, I thought it was very funny. I liked it a lot. I liked it. I liked it more than I ever expected to like it. Because um, when I saw the first episode, with my brother in Houston, I was thinking, "This is good," but this is exactly what I would expect. This this feels very run of the mill. You know, Ash is doing stupid stuff. Right. Deadites are coming around. I've seen these camera angles before. You know, I, I've done this. I, I've done my time. Then the second episode came around, and this is the strongest the humor has ever been in the Evil Dead series. I'd have to watch Army of Darkness again. It's been well over ten years now, but it was the second episode was really funny. That dinner scene was really, really funny. Yeah. Um. Yeah, just the verbal battle between him and the Deadite disguised as her mother. That the verbal dueling that was going on was just so good. Right. Um. It just it was a fun journey. I feel like the stakes were very high. I feel like there was a lot of wasted characters in the name of cool deaths. Um, I'll get to my criticisms in a second. Um, but overall, I like Bruce Campbell, and you just if you want a healthy serving of Bruce Campbell, there's not a lot of places to go. Um, that's both the the greatest strength. In some ways, it's it's not a weakness, but it, the depressing part of Ash versus Evil Dead to me is that part of me really does miss the original Ash, who was a real fucking human being, who had real responses to situations, and was just a normal guy. You know, I feel like the magic of Evil Dead in many ways is gone. I really enjoyed the series, but what made Evil Dead 2 so good to me was not that Ash was a cartoon character, which is clearly what he is now. It's not even Ash. It's Bruce Campbell doing a stand-up. Right. It's not... Ash is gone. Ash is probably never coming back. Evil Dead 2 works on this brilliant premise where these supernatural forces try to break someone down and, to, and push him to the point of insanity. And when he passes the border of insanity, they end up creating, creating a rival beyond any of their imagination who takes them down that's brilliant they tried to break him and when he's broken he's more dangerous than he's ever could be conceived to be that is such a smart premise in my opinion right. he's not a cartoon character he's just mentally broken that's why he says things like groovy i mean yeah there's comedic dimension to it i can't deny that but there's also that very real i've seen everything now it's kind of like in deadpool when he says once you do you know around the clock torture you can't really step it up and that's the mistake the Deadites made with Ash. It's like, you showed me hell. There's really no way to escalate from here. So now I'm going to fuck you up with my boomstick. And I love that. There's there's something comedic, but there's also something very real. There's a lot of substance in that. There's not really a lot of substance anymore. I mean, the plot has high stakes and that, that substance. I can't rob it of that. But I miss Ash. And like I said, Ash is probably never coming back. We're probably stuck with Bruce Campbell making jokes, which is which has its own charm. That was a lot of fun. That's why I enjoyed this so much. But it would be nice if we got like Evil Dead Two or even Evil Dead One Ash back. Not a criticism. It's it's just a reality. Um, I'm still I'm holding not, out for I, the crossover. Well, what what are they crossing over with now? Between the movies, like Ash with the the chick from the remake. Oh, I I never heard about that. Oh, you didn't? No. That was what the original plan was. That's why at the 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 end credits of the remake, they had Ash, you know, turn to the screen and say groovy is their original plan was to do the remake. And then I think they wanted to do either a sequel to the remake 
or it was probably a remake sequel to remake have ash come back for his own movie or something maybe the tv series and then have them cross over with each other and like join forces that makes the ending that much more lamentable because it's going to be very hard to do something like that right now they, I feel like they kind of closed the door on that if the, if the, if the, if the apocalypse is now happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, I don't know what those actors are doing anymore. That was, what, three years ago? Four? I, I never saw the movie. I heard good things. You never saw the remake? No. I, oh, I didn't, what, why, I didn't, when I heard Ash wasn't in it, I just didn't have any interest. I'm like, that's what I'm... There is no Evil Dead without Ash, so... Sure. I mean, it was a good movie. Like, whether it was a good Evil Dead movie or not, I mean, you didn't have the one-liners of ash and stuff like that in the the comedic factor it was it was yeah. much more evil dead one than evil dead two or army of darkness so if you're not a fan of evil dead one for that reason because it is more of a horror movie than a I like comedic evil dead horror one. i think evil dead one's very strong it's more like that except for modernized but i mean i thought it was a strong movie and i thought the characters were enjoyable and i thought the overall premise how they set it up because they I mean, I don't want to spoil things, but I guess I don't think I'm spoiling too much is they the main character is going through some and they set this all up at the beginning. So it's not really much. Yeah, it's okay. I knew that she's overcoming some drugs like her drug addiction. And that's why they're out in the cabin. So it makes sense why it's not just another people going and partying in a cabin. It's actually the exact opposite. There are no drugs. There's none of that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, I can't remember if there was in the movie or not, but they it's supposed to be a week it's supposed to be away from all that stuff so she can sober up and get over her addiction. And it makes so much sense because she's the one that's seeing all these deadites and all the stuff happen, like all the freaky stuff, and she's telling them about them and no one believes her because she's a drug addict. So she's going to be hallucinating and going through withdrawals and all she's saying is we got to get the fuck out of here. And everyone's like no, she's doing this crap again. She's done this before. She's just trying to get us to take her back so she can... Like, that's so smart. That's creative and it's clever. It's smart, but that could be frustrating. Like, the the whole, you know, with the dramatic irony of someone, of the main character knowing something vital to the plot and no one believes them, that could be an exercise in frustration if not done properly. But maybe it's done well here. I'd have to see it. Yeah, I recommend watching it. It's definitely... I, I liked it as a, a remake. I thought it was... I mean, it's not even really a remake. It's a reboot, I should say. Reboot's much smarter because it's not supposed to be the exact same thing. It's She is a different character. She's not Ash. She's not named Ash. She's a different character. So, And that's why they wanted... They wanted their plan was to do a crossover where she teams up with Ash, but... Whether that's happening anymore, I doubt it, which is disappointing because I really did like her as a character and the overall, um, just the way the movie, the tone was. It was really cool. It was interesting. So, anyways. That's yeah, kind of I'll, I'll check it out. Um, I never really expected to revisit Evil Dead and enjoy it, and I, I did. This this was a lot, lot of fun. If you're a fan of the series, you kind of owe it to yourself to watch this. You will enjoy it. I, I know I did. I thought the characters were very strong. I thought that kind of brings me to my criticisms. They made these strong characters, and they're dead. Yeah, A lot of them are dead. Pablo's alive. The girl whose name I can't remember, she's alive. The shaman, I thought the shaman was excellent. You know what? He's dead. He's never going to come back as a shaman. If we see him again, he's going to be a deadite, and that's a shame. Um, I don't think that's good writing when you write a good character and kill them off for really shallow drama. Or, or, for, or for jokes, honestly. Um, 
Yeah, and he and he's not even like the cop. The cop came back to life and did cool stuff later. He doesn't, you know. Um, I don't know. I thought they made Pablo's character better, but but anyway. Um, another problem I have is a problem I've had with Sam Raimi for a very long time, and that problematic torch is being carried by this series. You may disagree. Our listeners may disagree. I don't know. This is just my opinion. This is just the way I feel, but. Sam Raimi, since the beginning of his career, has had an issue of putting fetish material in his movies and, and now his TV shows. And I, I've never liked it. I've tolerated it, but I'm at the point where uh, I'm kind of done tolerating it. I don't like this yeah. stuff. And I don't want to see it. I don't want to see a girl ra- get raped with vines. I don't ever <laughs> want to see that. Um, I don't want to see a pretty girl explode just for the <laughs> sake of exploding. I don't want to see that. Now, if she's like an integral part of the story and, you know, the great climax to her story is that she sacrifices herself and then she explodes. All right, fine. You've grounded it. The only reason that blonde chick is in the end of the series is so they can blow her tits up. That's the only reason she's there. So I'm convinced Sam Raimi either has a fetish for harming women, for better or worse, or he thinks... It's funny, and that's what we also want to see. Maybe, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people do want to see that. That that's not funny to me. Drive Me to Hell is one of the is number two. It's the second worst movie I've ever seen. All that is, it's like the awkwardness of Meet the Parents with jump scares. That's what that movie is to me. I hate it. Right. I hate it so much. It's just psychologically torturing women with no dramatic purpose. And that movie ends with her being dragged to hell. We see her get tortured for an hour and a half, then she gets dragged to hell. That's the movie. Have you seen Drag Me to Hell? No. I'm very sorry about that. I did not mean to spoil <laughs> oh that God. for you. Yeah, no. Uh... I, that. I despise that movie. I would still recommend you watch it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but that has to be one of the most frustrating, most offensive viewing experiences I've ever had. And what makes me so mad is that movie has an obscene amount of jump scares and no one's angry about it. That movie got a 95% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. That's frustrating. That many jump scares. No other movie on the planet would be able to get away with Sam Raimi got away with in that movie. And it's not even a smart movie, but I will spoil no more. I've already done enough damage, but I hate that movie. You're just the really spoiler of the Nethercast, I think. <laughs> no, I am. You spoil <laughs> things for so many people. Help me carry this Shadowloo with first. MKX. <laughs> Me I spoiled that uh, movie apparently. Night for the fans. Yes. I have a problem, dude. I, I need help. <laughs> We're but... gonna get you that help. <laughs> uh, I need someone to carry me away. But no, honestly, I, I really think Sam Raimi either has a fetish or a really, really weird sense of humor. Because it's fetish material to me. I, I don't care for it. Thoughts? Do you agree? Do you disagree? I don't know because i i haven't seen that movie and i never really thought about it with sam ramey well i mean just in the series like do you feel like it's it's in in the ash vs evil dead like the 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 vine scene in the first evil dead do you feel like that was necessary it's hard it's hard to well i mean no i know i don't feel afraid to give any sort of answer here i'm just saying it's hard to say at that time whether it was necessary because a lot of your example well i mean okay let's take away everything he's done since then if we if that was the first time i was watching that i don't know because 
it's that's tough because I'm kind of on the fence on that one. Whether is it necessary? No, it's not necessary. Does it need to be in the movie? No, but I guess it comes down to is it effective? What's the point of it? And is is its inclusion warranted by its effectiveness? Does it scare the audience? Does it gross them out? Does it make them scared and you know terrified of what's out there and everything to come, etc.? I don't know. I mean. Would you at least agree that when the blonde girl blows up in the cabin in Evil Dead, does it not feel like exhibition? Ah, uh, man. Does the it first, not the feel first like one? they're doing it? In, no, in the, in the, in the miniseries. Um, does it not feel like they're doing it just to placate an blonde audience girl. that wants to see women explode? That's the feeling I what get. What blonde girl explodes? I forget. It's the one they meet in the woods. Uh, she has oh, the British okay. accent. And she See, you don't, she's not even memorable like that's her that's her only contribution to the show and that she almost dates pablo until she until yeah pablo i know who you're talking about it's though it was the one that was like nice whereas the other people were just kind of like eh. no no she was a bitch because she was the only one who didn't want to go hiking and she was complaining the whole time oh. but she was the only one who worked with ash and everybody else she was she the was only... the one that hurt though got her leg hurt or whatever yes there you go do you see her explode, or do you just see the blood splatter everywhere? No, no. I mean, you see the blood splatter everywhere. Okay, you don't yeah, see her that's pop right. Because like you see, yeah, you see the, <laughs> you see the the black haired girl whose name I'm forgetting. What's her name? Cop. No, not the I, not the cop. I'm saying oh, like the no. the girl worker that's with oh, Pablo I and tell Ash. You, dude. Okay, I, I couldn't. It's been I like I said. I this is this is weeks ago when I watched this all. But um, well, even. Like Lucy Lawless, I just call her Lucy Lawless. I don't know her character's name in the show. Gotcha. But no, I don't know whether she needs to explode or not. I mean, uh, and you're saying this is like it's targeting women and it's fetish because it's women? No, I don't know if it's targeting women. I just think Sam Raimi enjoys watching bad shit happen to women. Possibly. I don't know. Or he thinks it's funny. I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know why he does it. It's but possible. All I, know is I don't like seeing it. It makes me really uncomfortable. Well, if it was and a dude, would it would it change your feelings at all? Um, it wouldn't make me as uncomfortable, but I don't want to see anybody explode if that's their only contribution to the show. Like, sure. I mean, is it like a male female thing? Like, if a male is exploding, would it bother you as much as that it's a female? Like, do you I feel? Mean, do you feel artistically? Like... Yes, it would bother me the same. It probably wouldn't make okay. my stomach hurt as bad. So. Well, I guess I'm just trying to get to the root of this is like, do you have like this? Do you feel like more sorry for when women are in pain than men type of I thing? I would say yes. I, I would say there's definitely a psychological hmm. vulnerability there. And I, I need to give Sam Raimi some credit here. The vine scene in the first Evil Dead is dramatically justified. They're being haunted by demons, and this is a consequence of that. So it fits, even though I don't like watching it. And even though I still st stand by the fact that this is probably fetish material, it is dramatically justified. I'll give him that. I don't think that was the case with this miniseries and that scene and the whole... There's another example. Some of it's not coming to mind. Um, but it, it also, I, I need to stress this, especially for the listeners. This is not the dominant element. Like this, this is few and far between. This doesn't happen all the time, except for Drag Me to Hell, which I hate. That, then it happens all I, the time. Yeah, I didn't even notice it. Like, it's not something that really, like, females being more kind of tortured or in that way than males or just, it's not even something that crossed my mind, honestly. I guess I just don't, 
I think most think people are not going to notice it because that character's only contribution was to die. That was her. So she, I mean, it took you a few seconds to even remember who I was talking about because her presence in the show was that minimal. Well, she kind of showed up in the eleventh hour, anyways. It's not like she was. It's not like that was a main character. She was literally there for what one episode, two episodes tops. Yeah, yeah, and but she's fodder. That was yeah. They were just random kids in the woods. Yeah, I was in surprised general, they lived really as long fodder, as they did. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. I, maybe I'm just older now, and I don't I don't handle gore as well as I used to. They were people there for the cop lady to kill. Once that she turned was another into a dead eye. That bothered me. I hated the fact that they tried to shoot down the cop, and she held up the bodies. That made sense. But then they try to shoot her again, and she holds up the bodies again. And I'm thinking, really, you know, that, <laughs> that's a nitpick, though. That that's not a big problem. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff. No, too. there's great Jacksonville stuff. Jacksonville stuff. The Jacksonville stuff is very funny. Yeah. Lucy Lawless was pretty good. I mean, I haven't seen her do a lot of stuff. Like she basically is Xena Warrior Princess to me. I don't even know. Who I've she never is. even watched that. Yeah, I I've never seen her in anything, so I wouldn't know. You've never seen Xena? Well, I mean, I haven't seen it either. But you've never have you heard of? Wait, Xena? are you talking about the main like evil chick in the end? Uh huh. Okay, I, I didn't know that that was the woman that plays Xena. Or, she looks or... different. Well, I mean, she does a lot of Sam Raimi stuff. Yeah. Because um, uh, Bruce Campbell, I think, was on Xena Warrior Princess back in the day. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, now that you say it, yeah, the the, the visual resemblance is there. I just didn't know it, and I didn't think about it before. I didn't either. My brother had to tell me later on. I didn't recognize her at all. Yeah, she was okay. I mean, I didn't really... Her character was all right. Like I said, I, I favored Pablo, the girl, Ash, obviously, and... The cop lady. I didn't really care for anybody else on the show. Well, that's another thing. Giving the, I think that made the ending even worse. Is I was, I was really contemplating why Ash was giving her the book after everything. Yeah, I don't know. It just, it felt like the writing got really rushed near the end. Yeah, I don't know. It is, it is definitely a bummer. Like the fact that the cop lady dies and then. You follow that up with the fact that they just basically surrender and <laughs> surrender <laughs> the entire world to the deadites and the hell and everything. It's pretty disappointing. But yeah. I mean, they I guess they, I guess they didn't want to do the whole they everything is good and they save the day in the end type of happy ending only for season two everything to spark up again type of cliche. So they wanted to end it on well they they didn't win so now season two they'll come back and keep fighting type of thing. That would be cool. Like, I would like to see Ash fighting in a post-apocalypse with Pablo and other people. Well, I mean, you'll kind of see it to a degree, I'm sure. Um, Depends on stars. I don't know where they got the budget for this show. And stars... Well, they... Yeah. Premium Cable's not doing so hot from what I understand. So it's going to be interesting. As far as the, the crossover happening, I looked up an article while we were discussing. And yeah, they... It looks like it's on hold if it'll even happen at all because of the TV series. Because originally it was like I was thinking they are going to do the remake or reboot, then a sequel. And then I guess Sam Raimi wanted to do a sequel to Army of Darkness and then they would cross over. But I, since they ended up going the TV routes, they, he said it would, and this is his comments as of last July or whatever at Comic-Con and he said it would just be difficult right now having the show timeline go on and then doing a crossover movie and how they'd fit that together with the characters so right now it's just not in the cards but so 
but he didn't say if it would happen in the future down the line or something, which I hope it does, because maybe not everybody liked the remake slash reboot, but I, I definitely did. I thought it was really cool and intense and fun. But I just feel like the longer they wait, the harder it is to be yep. to, to chain down those actors. Yep, yep. I mean, the more years and years and years go by, it's disappointing if that's the case. Because I, I like the idea of that, but at least we got at least we got the Ash vs Evil Dead. That's definitely cool. All right, well, let's move on to let's start with what, what do you want to start with? Dark Victory or that's a really good. I was thinking about that too. Um, I don't know. <laughs> All right, well, let's start with Dark Victory. Let's, okay, because yeah, I, I feel like you have more negative things to say about Dark Victory than you do Kingdom Come. <laughs> did you like either of these i loved them both i thought they were both very good okay okay well that's good too it's good to hear because i didn't think you're gonna, the way you're again, sounding... i loved evil dead but you wouldn't know it by the last 15 minutes of conversation sure sure sure, so, sure. no I, I liked him um uh if we're starting with uh the dark victory i will say a lot of it is uh, the the previous formula it yes is in many it, it has very much the same feel and very much the same structure as the long Halloween. Yep, yep. And, and that took a lot of points. Also, I feel like... Uh, I don't know what the fuck was going on with the Joker. His teeth are like three inches long. <laughs> My gosh. It's so bad. Let me get a... If you don't mind, I'm going to take a moment to get it a is funny. the Joker. But isn't that the same art as the first book that we were mentioning was very odd? But I thought the Joker was like the strong point of the long Halloween in terms of animation. And the fucking... He, he still had the giant-ass teeth, didn't he? Not this big. Like, this is huge. Like, <laughs> this is... Like, it, this is obscene. Okay. Let me see what I got. Um, Yeah, here we go. And this does not change. This is not for, you know, for dramatic effect in this panel. This is really what he looks like throughout the entire comic. Let me collect that to make sure yep. again. Yeah, I'm looking... That is obnoxious, yeah. dude. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, it, it is really ridiculous. It's just a very weird art style, which will be interesting comparing that to Kingdom Come, which I think has amazing art, and that's Alex. I hope it also is good. It's Alex Ross art. The Joker, uh, Catwoman. I had some problems with her art, but at least it looks like a human being. It didn't sure. look like whatever the fuck was going on with the Joker's teeth. Like that is that is insane. <laughs> I mean, his fucking jawline goes down to his nipples. What the but all right well oh. tell me tell me about the what you enjoyed about dark victory because it's i remember less about this than i did long halloween to me they blended in together and honestly i want to remember when i said you i'm i i might have accidentally spoiled something yeah go on what, what was that for or what was I, yeah i said before we started this show i'm like i was reading through the plot summary of dark victory and reading everything that happens and it looks like something i said happened in long halloween during our review last time actually happened in here if i'm getting this correct is the calendar man reveal behind his wall was it until this oh yes no that's true but i didn't remember you saying that okay i, good. Remember, I remember you saying that now that you've said it but because yeah well, i feel bad because last time i was like raving about oh man this is the best calendar man's ever been done like it was just a great like him hiding behind the wall and like pulling the strings etc and him being a potential suspect and all that and like that didn't really come yeah, into play till here <laughs> i thought that was weird during the last time we recorded and we were saying the cal calendar man was doing all this cool shit i was like 
He literally just chilled out in Arkham the whole story. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what you're talking about, I but for... I'll bring it up later after the show. And I just forgot about it, which it looks like it was for the better. Yeah, I I didn't. Uh, that's my bad. I thought <laughs> I should have I should have read both their like summaries again. But yeah, I could have sworn that was in. They all blend like this blends much closer than I thought it did. It really does pick up and continue the story with the holiday killer and all that. And I, for some reason, I thought it was more about Robin and it does have Robin in it, obviously in his origin story to a degree, but it's just like, yeah, the more I was reading the plot summary for dark victory after or before we got started, I was like, man, uh, certain things happened that I, I thought happened in the other one. But I think that was the only thing I had mentioned. I think that was the only thing I got confused on, I should say. One thing that I really like about Dark Victory is the ending. I thought is vastly superior to the ending to The Long Halloween. Overall, The Long Halloween is substantially better. But I feel like the climax and the ending of The Dark Victory is really well done. Hence, the Calendar Man reveal. Very well done. Right. Um, I did not suspect who was doing the, the, the new holiday killing, or the new, um, the new police killings. The hangman killings, that's right. Right. Did not suspect that. I thought that was very smart, very well done. Um, I, I thought uh, the Robin stuff was handled very well. I was reluctant going into this book because I wasn't really in the mood for a Robin origin story. But because the story is so repetitive in the context of just reading The Long Halloween, I was fucking begging for some Robin, dude. Right. You know, I was ready for that dick. And, you know, when it finally shows up, it's a breath of fresh air because in many ways this story is a long retread. But the ending makes it all worth it. The ending, I thought, was a lot smarter. Um, it's kind of weird, though. If you read The Dark Victory, it's almost like the twist in, in The Long Halloween never happened. They seem really conv- committed to the idea that uh, her her brother or her cousin, the guy who was suspected of uh, doing the holiday killings. Alberto. Alberto. They, they really kind of play on the fact that he was indeed the killer and not Nora and Harvey Dent, which was, I thought, the twist of the long Halloween. Which, I think... Is that a retcon? What is that? I, I don't think that's a retcon. I think... It's it's really confusing, is what it is, but... It's extremely I'm, confusing. I'm, I'm... The way Nora was talking... Not Nora, whatever... Gilda. You said Nora, and now you're gonna... Yeah. <laughs> I think... <laughs> Nora. No. Nora. Gilda... Gilda was Harvey Dent's wife and she at the end was talking about how it was a mix between her and Harvey and she was burning the evidence and she was doing it because she wanted Harvey to have free time. So to give him free time would be to eliminate the criminal scum that he wastes so much time, you know, as his job to focus on. So she wouldn't be saying something by herself if she didn't do some of those killings. Or at least implying that she did some of those killings. Who is she trying to fool? It's just her herself doing that. And Harvey, I feel like, is highly um, implied as also being part of those because... And she, also I, schizophrenic, so it's possible sure. he could have done it without knowing it. Right. And where Alberto fits into any of this, maybe he did some of them, or maybe he just took the credit for them, which is what I thought, is he was just taking the credit, because even Gilda was like, let him think that it was Alberto. But Al- And Alberto's the kind of person, kind of character that gives you the impression that he's kind of a weakling. Like, he's he's the disappointment of his family. He's kind of the black sheep in the, the big mob family, so he has every reason to take 
credit for those because he wants the street cred. He wants to be taken as a big deal, but he doesn't have the strength to do it himself type of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it could, it could swing both ways. I, I feel like you, I half agree with you. I think when they wrote The Long Halloween, they truly intended for Gilda and Harvey Dent to be the killers. Right, right. And but I think the fact that that's never referenced and even Two-Face never once – I mean, what does Two-Face have to hide? He never once says, by the way, Bats, I killed – I was the holiday killer. Never happens, never comes up. As a matter of fact, he saves Gordon from the hangman just to vindicate his innocence as not being the hangman. So I'm thinking, I, I, I don't know, dude. It's hard to say. I, I mean, is... what, you're, what you're saying is consistent. It could go either way. It's very ambiguous. It doesn't look like sure. they wanted to commit to one way or the other. Sure, sure. And I don't know. I mean, it's possible that it was Alberto all along, or maybe all three of them t- took place in it, and Alberto did some of them, and that's why he's still you know, taking credit and being the one that's implied was it all along but it's just tough for me to think that it wasn't like it's tough the the ending of the long halloween strongly suggests from the character themselves that they were the one that did it by themselves are saying that are implying it so it'd be really 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 odd if if and it's the same writers here so why why would they retcon that i have no idea maybe i don't know It, it is confusing though I guess maybe it was dealt. Um, what's the word I'm thinking of? It was commissioned by the suits above, you know, make Alberta the killer for simplicity's sake. I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, the reason why Alberto could plausibly be the holiday killer is because he really did want to get rid of the mob activity for whatever reason, which is which gets credence from the fact that his, uh, I think, brother Mario, the one who's actually working with Commissioner Gordon, who is truly good. Right. Um, is the one who's like housekeeping him, house sitting him, you know. Um he's holding him in the in the in the family home, but I don't know, you're you're right. It doesn't really make sense no matter which way you spin it. It, it looks like you, it, either interpretation works. I don't know. It, it's just really weird. Um I would have liked to have seen Batman's reaction to finding out Harvey Dent was the holiday killer. But then again, at, at the same time, it was kind of cool seeing Batman come to the slow realization Harvey's dead and he's never coming back. That's another right. very strong point of the dark victory yes, yes. is the letting go of Harvey. Harvey's gone. Right. Right. There is only two face now. Um, yeah. Um, other strong points. Uh, Commissioner Gordon's very good. Uh, I thought Gilda was going to be the district attorney. I don't remember her name, but the blonde district attorney who replaced Harvey Dent, who was secretly sleeping with two face. Um, I thought she was sleeping with Two Face because she was secretly Gilda with like plastic surgery or whatever. Right. With a law degree for some reason now. <laughs> um, and that was not the case. Gilda is just gone. We have no idea what happened to Gilda. Yeah, that is the weird thing. Is she just do, do they re- do they like reference her at all? There is one reference in the entire. Uh, okay, so she's not just completely like retconned out of it. She's just she's just non factor now that he's Two Face. It's either Batman or Commissioner Gordon who's reflecting on the events of the long Halloween about halfway through the dark victory. Right. He says, and then there's Gilda, who no one has seen since the disappearance. Uh, okay. Of yeah, I remember that. And they show that. a picture of her. Gotcha. I remember that. And that's now. it. That's, that's the, her entire presence in the, in the comic. That's interesting. I wonder what their reasoning for that was. Just completely changing course like that. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's very it's very interesting to me. Um, I don't know. I, I think what made the Hangman stuff really cool was, I mean, part of it's like, is Harvey Dent again possibly the killer? It's like we're doing this again. Right. But it's interesting, though, because now Harvey Dent's more proactive in it. While Harvey Dent was sort of like a, a quiet suspect that was never confronted. Now he's hands-on. Now he knows he's a suspect, right. unlike the long Halloween. And his reaction to that is very interesting. And my worry was, okay, Harvey Dent has now been scolded with acid. How do you make him a straight-up crook? And they actually did a good job of that, showing his decline into sort of the psychopath he is, you know? Right. The, the letting go of... How, the way they let go of Harvey Dent, Harvey Dent lets go of civil society. And that transition throughout the comic where it becomes more and more twisted. By the end, I was really convinced, okay, this is the animated series Two-Face, and this is how he got here. This is how... Right. This is the Nolan Two-Face. He really is psychotic. Because in, in the Long Halloween, even after he becomes Two-Face, you know, he, there's still Harvey Dent there because he turns himself in. Right. And they do a good job of just rooting all of that out. Very well done. Thoughts? <laughs> well, no, yeah, I, I really liked it. And obviously I recommended it. But yeah, I thought uh, just in general, these two, from Long Halloween to Dark Victory... Harvey Dent is easily a favorite amongst the whole thing on just how well he's portrayed and the whole origin story of him is done. I think it's a really interesting dynamic. So yeah, I, I agree. It's really interesting to see it kind of change and how he goes from Harvey to full on two face, but still some Harvey in there. It's interesting. Yeah. It's, there's a really good scene where Batman says Harvey when, cause Arkham Asylum is being, Blow, all the doors are being blown open by the Falcone family, I think. Right. Or was it the the Maroon? I don't know. But don't anyway, know. he's like, Harvey, don't try to escape. And it shows the, the Harvey Dent side that's not scarred. And he says, I won't. And it looks really sincere. He looks really somber. Um, and then someone someone takes him out, but I can't... Someone pulls him out of there. But I, I guess maybe the Joker? I can't remember now. Um, yeah, uh, very good. Um some animation changes. I, I think Catwoman, they completely redrew, redrew her face. Uh, she looks like 10 years younger, which I think is a shame. I kind of like the more natural-looking Catwoman. Catwoman looked like, you know, a woman you can run into in the street. She's very much, like, they sex sexualized the shit out of her in this comic. Like, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to go into detail. But there's one panel where, like, that's ridiculous. That is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Like she looks like she's like 22 now, while in the long Halloween, she looks like kind of like she was mid-30s. Still attractive, but just, you know, that normal attractive woman. Right. No, now she looks like, looks like some Vogue shit now. Like, it's crazy. But So that was disappointing. I, I wish they kind of stuck to their guns on that. Um, overall, it, it's so weird. The Joker looks so bad and everyone else looks so good. That's the weird part to me. It's like, why does the Joker look so fucking bad? I don't, I don't get it, but <laughs> yeah. And the Robin stuff is rushed. It, it's good when it works, but it's it's extremely rushed. And honestly, I don't really know if it's handled well on Batman's side. Batman just kind of a dick to Robin a lot of the times. Um, That's probably why Jingo hates him so much. <laughs> it is. I bet you it is. It's possible. You know how much Justin loves Robin. He loves his Robins. He, he loves he his loves dick. It. He loves his dick. He has a deep love for, for Robin. 
<laughs> Specifically, Dick. Yeah. Now, didn't he say Tim was his favorite? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. He, he likes Drake. <laughs> <laughs> he does he like himself. Drake. He loves Dick. He likes Drake. Yeah. He loves some Drake and Dick. Um, if he has Dick and Drake. I'm sure he'd be just marvelous. About but no, it's because yeah, I I have a feeling they're the whole Batman Robin dynamic is probably why Justin hates Batman so much. I don't think he I hates Batman. Really I think he, he just hated Batman. I wasn't really aware of that. I don't know if he hates Batman, but I don't know if he. I don't know if he necessarily likes him either. I don't know. We'll have to have that discussion for another day. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll talk to him. We'll bring him on and, you know, we'll break him down. Um, Find out all his thoughts on that. Yeah. So it turns out in the end, yes, there's the whole calendar man aspect. He was pulling strings on Alberto through the walls with speakers and all that, which I thought was interesting and brilliant portrayal of calendar man. And... Um, at the end of the day, who is the hangman? The Sophia? It's, uh, the, the dot. Sophia. Sophia. Yeah. The, and she's like in a wheelchair with a head brace and all that. And you don't think it's her because of the, it's a big she's facade. Crippled, basically. Yeah. 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 And then she reveals that she was actually able to walk this whole time and she had reconstructive surgery and all that. And, um, yeah, that was super interesting. Very, very, very interesting. And I didn't figure out, even though I feel like I should have, because she's nowhere to be found, right. but she pulled Alberto out of the house and killed him, uh, smothered him with a pillow. And I'm thinking, it never occurred to me that a person in a wheelchair had to do all these things. And I'm like, oh, of course she wasn't really in a wheelchair then. <laughs> um, makes sense now. Yeah. <laughs> and she, she had much more sufficient motive i i think she i mean she's just more fleshed out than alberto right alberto's not a bad character either um you know he has a very passe response to everything going on um but mario's a very good character too and i think they resolve his storyline you know very well i think there's a panel like where it says you know we're all going to handle this in our different ways and it shows how he handled it, and it shows the the Falcone mansion like burning down in the background, yeah, with his eyes just wide. <laughs> I'm like, that's really good. That's actually very powerful. Um, then there's the whole storyline where the corpse of their father was stolen. Yeah. Um, I don't. That I don't remember. Do you know who stole the corpse of their father? Was it Sophia or was it Two Face? Was it Two Face's way of saying "fuck you" to Sophia? What was their father's name? I. I don't know, dude. That's, are they? It's it's Italian. Is it Falcone? Is the last name, or is are we talking about? Uh, I think it's Falcone. Let, yeah. let me do it. Quick. You're talking about Al, Alberto's father, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Falcone. Okay. Uh, let me search through this article real quick and see. Two Face is revealed to have Carmine Falcone's body. Is that who you're talking about? Yes, and then it was Two Face. Then that makes sense. Yeah, he's he's shown to have the body and is frozen presumably by Mister Freeze. Okay. Yeah, it's it's like I said, the last act really does a lot for this story. Um, that twist was really cool, um, very logical, but still kind of kept you wondering until they revealed it. Right. See, I think seeing Two Face work with the Batman villains was probably the most interesting part because the the whole out for himself element to two-face was so pronounced like there's an electric fence that's barring their way to the they don't know they're going to the back cave but they're going to the back cave right and he uses grundy to disarm the fence by shocking him to death 
And Poison Ivy's like, what is wrong with you? He was nothing but loyal to you. And he's just like, fuck off. <laughs> so that's very good. That's well done. Yeah. Two-Face Two Face is my third favorite Batman villain. I don't know where he ranks. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, of the character and the whole dynamic of the character is really interesting to me. I'd probably say Mr. Freeze is still technically my favorite. Cool, cool. Yeah. It's a pretty... That's pretty much all I got. It was a good story. It, it, I, do we want to give ranking or do we want to give a rating? Or... Yeah, yeah. I don't remember what we gave. Oh, yeah. We both... I said 95 and you said 90 and something yeah. like that or Nine other way around. Ten. Yeah, somewhere around there. And um, I'd say this one, I was... If I give the last one a 9.5, I'd say this one was probably like a 8.7. Eight, somewhere around 8.79. Somewhere around there. Yeah, I'd give it a 6.5, but just wow. to remind the listeners, that is that's a good. huge drop-off. Wow. It is. Two and a half point difference. It's the last act that saves the story. In many ways, it's almost a remake, if you think about it. But um, 6.5 is still a very commendable score. No, if yeah, 5 is fine. average, 6.5 is good. It's like, that curve factor. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's good. Um definitely recommend it to people obviously i would hope you have read it chosen to read it before we just spoiled things um but yeah let's move on to kingdom come King, kingdom come and thoughts on this it, it also was good i thought it was very good um interesting and honestly there are still some things i don't know if i quite understand um Okay. There's some things I didn't quite get after reading it. Um, well, let's see if I can answer them with this nice guide. So why did the Spectre need the pastor to to view all these events? Why did he need him to spectate and review these horrible things going on? Because at the end of the story, it doesn't seem like the pastor really did anything. He interfered, interfered a couple of times because the, spe the Spectre forgot that the Flash could kind of like shift dimensional planes and somehow he got in the same room as superman and everyone else right um all right what what did they do like I, i'm not really sure what his contribution was when everything was said and done or why the specter chose him or why the specter is there even wasn't quite clear to me all right um well let's see here we got uh the narrator, a minister named Norman McKay, receives apoc apocalyptic visions of the future from a dying Wesley Dodds. The specter appears to McKay and recruits him to help pass judgment on the approaching superhuman apocalypse. So let's see here. Um... Let me see if I can find anything explaining it because it's been so long. It's corrugation preaching a message of hope for humanity. Also, the specter isn't wearing pants. That kind of bothered me. Does he ever wear pants? I think he has like a like like sort of like the uh, superhero underwear they all wear. Yeah. But he like he's not even wearing that, dude. <laughs> Is he just naked? He's just fucking naked. <laughs> you don't see any, like... It's not like uh, Dr. Manhattan dong just flopping around. 
No, but I mean, there's clear <laughs> pelvic bone going on, bro. What the hell? Um, Norman McKay is an elderly pastor who serves as the narrator. After Wesley Dodd's death, Norman unwillingly inherits his late friend's precognitive powers. Norman was designed by Alex Ross as an homage to his own father, Reverend Clark Norman Ross. Um, the Spectre, the agent of God's wrath, takes Norman through the events of a possible future to determine who is responsible for an impending apocalyptic event. However, his faculties are not what they once were, and he needs a human perspective to properly judge events. Norman succeeded in convincing him to try to see these events through his guide's human perspective, and the two become close friends afterwards. Does that clear that up? It does. So the Spectre was the one making the decision, but he needed Norman he to, needed, to inform that decision. Yes, he needed a human because he's kind of lost touch with it at this point. That makes sense then. So the Spectre was a key element, and his decision was sort of influenced by right. his reaction to everything going on then. Because I'm sure the Spectre could like end this if he wanted, but he didn't know which side was the right side to choose favor towards, so he needed a human perspective to grasp the you know where he stood in his opinion on this type of thing by the so, way here's a picture of the specter you need to see these man thighs i'm ready for him is that necessary i mean i, it, I, mean, I mean what's so bad about that i mean it's, it's not it's not that bad it's just distracting <laughs> I, I feel like people in, as a general war rule, people should wear pants. I you think. just see, like, hip, though. I mean, you don't see anything, like, revealing or anything. Oh, no, no. The visual is not bad at all. But it's just the idea that he's walking around with his balls out. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's, just... it's good air. I mean. <laughs> it breathes. I agree. You know, it, it definitely helps regulate body temperature. I don't, I'm it... not going to rob him yeah. of that. But, but it's yeah. just distracting. The dude's wearing no pants. He's just walking around with a cape. He's like a. He's basically has a flasher setup. Like no, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I have no criticism, but I can't <laughs> deny that it is a little, little disconcerting when someone walks around who's. I wish there was an explanation. Doctor Manhattan has an explanation. He. It doesn't really make sense for Doctor Manhattan to wear clothes. But to, I've never seen anyone wear a cloak and wear nothing but a cloak outside of maybe, like, pornography. Like, that's it's... maybe the only realm where that is even a what thing. Kind so it of, strange. What kind of porn are you watching? Oh, I'm not saying I watched it. I'm just saying it would make sense in that context. Who did? Who watched I it? I don't watch cloak porn. Tell me names. I need, <laughs> need to know. Um, all right, well, was there any other confusions? No, that was the big one. So yes, that's why they're the protagonists, and that's kind of why they're narrating the whole thing is because they're just overwatching the events, and he's just getting. That's why Spectre takes him. You know, at multiple times throughout the story, he has him kind of observe things and gives him a good idea of what the hell's going on between these super superheroes. Yeah, and they, it was uh, it was very good. Um, a lot of characters had very strong showings. Um, Captain Marvel was great. Yes, Captain Marvel was phenomenal. So sad though. That was it, that was brutal. But it, was it was sad. Good. It was sad. I definitely remember feeling pretty sad after that. Well, he's supposed to be grown up in this comic, right, right. but I still see the child. Yeah, you know, and um, it's hard not to. Yeah, and, and it, you kind of get the feeling he was so scarred by the meta-human uprising that he never really did grow up. You know, he was sort of an emotional basket case. Right. And the. Sort of like he stayed a child forever, you know, the 
the super, superhero inside him kind of, you know, retreated for all time, and Lex Luthor took advantage of that. You know, Fat Luthor was also very interesting. <laughs> it was really cool seeing everyone reinvented for the future. Right. Now, the, the problem with the animation of Kingdom Come is that it's drawn in almost like a 1950s propaganda way. So Why everyone kind of has... Well, yeah, say more. It's not animation. Well, it's, it's just Mation. <laughs> I don't know. It, the is Mation it, is very... Isn't I, animation I supposed to be like the movement? Yeah, no, I know. I'm, I'm not a comic guy, so... I guess the drawing style? The artwork? Yeah, it's very kind of 1950s, you know... Almost American Gothic looking at times. Um, yeah. And because of that... Everyone pretty much has a, you know, a, a palette of one or two facial expressions. You know, Superman, the whole story pretty much looks like he's having trouble deciding whether he should buy a house or not. <laughs> he's kind of wavering him back and forth. That's his face, like the whole... And it's not bad. I mean, if you're ready for it, it works fine, but... It's a unique style, though. I mean, it's very realistic looking, which is... Or photorealistic to a degree where... I mean, that's kind of Alex Ross's style. He loves... I did a whole... I've done a couple papers on him throughout high school and college and stuff uh like writing about his upbringing his inspirations and all that kind of stuff and good goodness and he's done a lot of stuff for marvel and dc so it's kind of interesting to see his artwork over the years um he's actually got one of my favorite paintings is called uh joker something i will let me let me look it up real quick just to show you um but no i thought the artwork i think it's joker's retribution or something let's see could be wrong. Joker Retribution. No, no. Uh, Alex Ross. Joker painting. But no, he's he did the MK vs. DC artwork. Okay, yeah. And I don't know. He's just good. done a lot of. He's done a lot of good artwork over the years, and. Um. I like that style. I mean, it's not something I would want to see all the time because I do like the more cartoony stuff too and just the different, you know, classic comic booky stuff. But that's one of... I just think it's a very cool aesthetic. And, you know, a lot of people pass off the art of comics as, you know, cartoony and it's not real art and this and that and the other thing. But I think he basically says... Oh, Joker's Reckoning is what it's called. But he kind of puts a kibosh on that because his artwork looks like freaking paintings so anyways yeah no it was um it looked really good especially i think when they had those group shots like it looks really really cool and and you know the aging of the characters added so much too it was cool seeing you know um i mean I, we already mentioned fat luther you know um old man batman was really well drawn right um Wonder Woman didn't age well, but I don't, I don't know if that's in... I mean, no, she aged really well. She didn't age much is what I mean. I don't know if that's in character. I don't know if that's an Amazon thing. Yeah, I but mean... She looked kind of like early 40s. Yeah, I mean, I don't... pretty sure she's, like, way older and she lives for way longer than what any of us could, so... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's... I don't know, like... There was one really funny panel where I was just kind of laughing because the animation was so weird looking, but I can't remember. I wish it came to mind, but um, I, there are some things that did bother me. Like I don't, I hate seeing Catwoman as a generic villain, like it's a tip, yeah. like your typical bank robber true, type. True, true. Really shallow representation of Catwoman. Batman's role was very interesting, where he he kind of 
Lex Luthor has a great line when Batman joins him, and he says something along the lines of, had I known a common enemy would make us such a strong alliance, I would have invented a common enemy years ago. Um, that was a really good line. And Batman is just double-crossing him. Um, I wish I, I half saw coming. Um, part of me kind of thought maybe that was the case because Batman kind of had a dictatorship over Gotham. He was basically ruling Gotham with robots, which is kind of weird that he's so critical of Superman for having <laughs> an iron fist over the metahumans. But Gotham is basically a police state now. Yeah. And that 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 seemed kind of backwards to me, but it, it it all came together. I do have to ultimately ask myself, what was the moral of this story? That you can't force morals? Is that what the, what they were trying to say? Because uh... I feel like if Superman had not interceded, the world would have stayed a clusterfuck. It was the Kingdom Come catastrophe that kind of restored balance. So I'm not really sure what the message of the story is, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's not supposed to be one. Maybe it's they like, they wanted the audience or the readers to decide. With Maybe great, that was the with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> there you go, done. I mean, that's kind of like what it is. Yeah. And then maybe the, 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 the moral is that there is no right answer. I mean, in philosophy, that's how we define a moral dilemma, is if, if you have a moral situation and there's no right choice, all, you know, you will have to violate a moral principle. And the idea in philosophy is a moral theory that is functional should have no moral dilemmas. A moral theory should be able to encompass any possible scenario. And maybe that's the moral of the story, is there, 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 it's a moral, when it comes to moral dilemmas, there's no right answer. And how do you deal with that? That's interesting, you know? If that's what they were going for. Um, well, I mean, take the moment where Superman flew into the UN building and is, like, threatening to destroy everything, you know, as punishment for the massacre. And the McAdoo, the Norman guy, is uh, the one that ends up talking him down. You know, the human that Spectre's bringing around is the one that ends up talking him down, pointing out how... Uh, you know, the behavior and whatnot is the sort of stuff that humans usually fear in people with superpowers and yeah, how, I mean, that's, that's why people, you know, normal humans fear people with superpowers is they think it's just like the Batman versus Superman thing is, you know, these guys can destroy us and they aren't always nice. Even the heroes sometimes destroy crap and pe put a lot of people's lives in danger, like, there's, you know, it's just kind of pointing that out. So, and I think Superman realizes that, which is obviously why he calms down. So, yeah, just, uh, you know, a big part of Superman's character was, I want to help, but I don't know what to do. Right. And there's no one, no one can tell me what to do, you know? Um, and Wonder Woman was very interesting. She's sort of the, the critical voice of Superman, how, you know, how he's, she says things like, we can't wait for you to become a leader, you know? And, you know, Superman's obviously very frustrated about that. There's sort of a love story. Well, no, there's a love story. There's a very clear love story uh, between those two. There's a lot of stuff I missed. Uh, like, uh, was it Magog? Magog, yeah, or whatever. Magog? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who that is, but he caused the Kansas incident. Yeah. And he blamed it on Superman because Magog was the one who pioneered the idea that we need to kill you know, evil superhumans. Yeah. And once he did it, once he set that precedent, 
the whole world fell apart. And he says something along the lines of, you know, I, I chose to kill, you chose not to. And the world chose my path. And then he just breaks down in tears. You know, he wants to die now because he feels so bad about that. Um, that was interesting, but I don't know who Magog is, so... <laughs> yeah. Sandman, I don't know anything about Sandman, so when he prefaces the story, I'm just like... He's, oh, uh, he's Sandman. Okay. He's the J- he's a JSA member with like Fate and Spectre and guys like that and uh Starman, Stargirl, Doctor Midnight. He's Justice Society, so Spectre knew him and yeah. 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 Sandman. Yeah, yeah no, I you know, and um uh... It's funny, once again, we run into Dead Man. Second episode in a row. We, we <laughs> run into Dead Man. He has a great showing. I have to ask myself, why does he look like a 60-year-old man, but he talks like Polly Shore? I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's so, Dude, so weird. This is kind of what I was going on about when I was talking about, you know, the Spectre's pelvic bone. You know, it's just distracting. It's not bad. There's nothing wrong with it. I just don't get it. I'm like, what do you, what do you want me to feel here, you know? But it's very well done. He has probably one of the best, like, cameos in the comic. It's really enjoyable, you know? It's, what was that? Something dropped, but I've been looking around my desk. I don't know what. But anyway, yes. Um, Dead Man, very interesting. Very good. Um, what 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 was your favorite part of this? Because this seemed to be a very strong recommendation. <laughs> this is the long Halloween seemed to be above the cut in terms of what you were pushing when I was starting to find comics to read. What sold you on recommending the uh, Kingdom Come? Uh, there's a few things. I like the idea of the superheroes when they're much older. I like the idea of them battling each other in this specific way. This is kind of what, like, Injustice kind of touched on. I mean, it's obviously a completely different setup and... Same message, though. Yeah, it's... The whole idea of we're not gods. Right, right, right. And Except for Batman. He's a god of gods. And I wouldn't be surprised if it took some inspiration. I'm pretty sure people pointed out that it takes inspiration from Kingdom Come to a degree. Some of the plot lines and whatnot. But, so there's interest there... I loved what they did with Captain Marvel and the role he played. And that moment I thought was very emotional and just very good. It kind of grabs you in that way. And I liked, I like seeing Batman and the outsiders take on Superman and his little thing. And then you have Lex Luthor and the older villains kind of still plotting and stuff and doing their, doing their thing. And the art was good. And just overall, I think it's just a, a good story with a lot of superheroes. And that's kind of why I recommend it is, it's I feel like this is better told than Blackest Night in terms of story. Like this is actually good story story, like good plot and everything going on. It's not as much of just a straight up blockbuster as Blackest Night was. I mean both you get a lot, a lot of characters and a lot of good cameos. There's a lot more nuance for sure. And it's Definitely. just yeah, it's just interesting. So I don't know. It's it's usually highly recommended on a lot of lists, so I thought you should check it out and see get your opinion plus i knew you i knew you like captain marvel and whatnot so here, here you go that's interesting because captain marvel as i i've said you know many times was my main in injustice you know and it would be really nice to be better acquainted with the character um yeah so every time you know i see captain marvel in anything you know my eyebrows kind of raise for a second and i get really interested because right. you know um I don't know. I'm always going to have a soft spot for that character, and I 
there's a very good chance I might main Captain Marvel again. You know, if they keep his play style and don't try to reinvent the fucking wheel for the next <laughs> game, like they do with every Mortal Kombat, I probably will return to him, barring the Spectre being it. I'll, I'll probably main the Spectre if he's an injustice. Right. Even with no pants, I'll still main the Spectre. <laughs> I'd be perfectly fine with that. But yeah, no, I don't know. I just thought it had a really good climax and ending and all that stuff, and I just thought it really come to, came to a head and... I love the little diner scene at the end between Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Like, just really cool stuff. You you saw that, right? I did, and it's cool because the Spectre is trying to order a sandwich. Yeah. There's like a Spectre sandwich on the menu. It's like a Spectre <laughs> splatter, yeah. Yeah, or there you Spectre go. platter or whatever, yeah. And he's all looking confused, and, you know, he. I think he fits the comic more than anything because the Spectre very much already has that natural 1950s aesthetic. Right, right. And yeah, so, um, yeah. You know, I think they make. I, I like that relationship too. You know, I like they kind of both warmed up to each other. They're very interesting. But yeah, no, I just it's just a. Uh, I thought I thought it was good. I I liked it, and it's just one of those stories that I recommend to people because I I really enjoyed it, and it's been a while to the point that I can't really remember all the little details that I probably took away from it. But just reading, you know, the plot synopsis again and looking at some of the things that happened, it. Re- it recalls it to my memory and yeah, no, I just, the, the Captain Marvel thing is one that still stood with me through all this time and the whole Batman leading up versus Superman type of thing. But then he kind of double crosses Lex Luthor when Lex Luthor thought he had him. And there's just a lot of little fun turns like that. And I just like, I like what if stories in the regard of this is kind of like that. It's like an injustice. What if story it's, you know, it's, it's in that regard. And I just think it's really interesting. And once again, you can't go wrong when you get all these superheroes involved and you get to see some of your favorites or some that you may not know and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, this is probably something I'd like to read again because, I mean, unfortunately, I had to speed read it uh, yeah. for this episode. I was kind of running out of time. Like, we started the Skype call and I was only, like, at 79% or something like that. So <laughs> uh, We forgot to do this for uh, The Dark Victory, but uh, who had good showings? Who do you think had a really strong showing in this comic? Dark Victory. Uh, well, do you want to do uh, Kingdom Come first, or we, we can do Dark Victory first? Let's just yeah, let's backtrack. Do Dark Victory. I'd say Batman once again. I'd say Robin, and I'd say Two Face were probably my three that had a really good showing. And then I would put Calendar Man as an honorable mention because it's probably the best he's ever been portrayed. So there's that. I would agree. Calendar Man was on my list. I usually try to pick three of anything. Uh, Calendar Man, uh, Gordon. I thought had a really good showing. Right. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it's hard not to pick Two Face, isn't it? He, he had pretty strong showing. Um, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's it, the story kind of speaks for itself. Right. Kingdom Come was a little more complicated. Um, did you want to go first? Or want me to go first? Or? Um, I'm trying to think. Um, I yeah, you can go first. Well, I. I Going in order of least to greatest, I would say Superman. I thought was very well done. Yep. Superman is always the most interesting when he doesn't know what to do. It's, it's right. kind of weird for a He's character. Conflicted, but yeah. Yeah, very good example of that. Shazam! Just Captain Marvel was phenomenal in this. So sad, but so well done, and so right. You know, so so emotional. Very very interesting. Yeah. The number one is going to be Martian Manhunter for me because I didn't see that coming at all. Like, that was super well done. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Also, quite a bit. very sad. But yeah, go on. 
No, yeah, I just thought that was great having him show up and be, you know, on Batman's team and doing that whole thing. It was really... I can't remember if I was surprised. I mean, at that point, I didn't... Like I said, I didn't know who a lot of... I mean, I knew who the characters were, like Martian Manhunter and stuff, but I mean... Yeah, I didn't expect that. It's just, yeah, I mean... It's, just trying to remember how I initially felt or felt when I first read it. It's just I, I always hate to see Martian Manhunter sad. You know, he's such a good guy. Yeah. So he's not when he's down in the dumps. It hurts <laughs> to watch. But yeah. Oh, and if I had to give a fourth one, obviously Dead Man. Dead Man was very good. <laughs> I mean, he was. I, I mean that too. Like he was a lot of fun. Like no, yeah, Dead, Dead Man good. should show up in everything. Yeah, Dead Man's good. Um, I would, I'd, I'd agree pretty much on everything you said. Maybe not Dead Man, but I don't remember exactly what Dead Man does. So. Well, he looks the best he's ever looked. He's just a skeleton, you yeah, know, in a leotard. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Just a skeleton in a leotard. But now Spectre was good, and I just like, I like him. Yeah, just kind of observing and not knowing what to do. That's that's pretty cool. It's a cool dynamic. I like Batman. I like Superman. Definitely Superman being conflicted. I agree with you. Is always great. I like Wonder Woman. I like how she, if I remember right, so correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't she, like, pushing... She wanted to just, like, straight-up kill, and Superman was trying to control her and be like, don't kill, don't, you know... Isn't that right? At first Superman, and then later Superman and Batman together. Yeah. So she's just very, like... She doesn't want to hold back. She just wants to go flat-out warrior mode and just take everyone's heads. Like, that's kind of how she is, as a she is the warrior princess. Well, so. it's interesting how they do it because Superman, when he tries to counter her, he's not able to do it effectively because part of him thinks she's right. You know, he thinks I'm not being a good leader. Right. You know, I'm not making the right decisions. I'm not taking charge. And then Batman finally has to show up and call her out and say, the only reason you're doing this is because you were stripped of your royalty and you were exiled and you have something to prove now. Right. This has nothing to do with Clark not being a leader. And that then she has her like, you know. Her angsty breakdown. I, I thought that was well written. Very well done. Yeah. And and of course, um, yeah, Captain Marvel is great. That was just a really cool dynamic, sacrificing himself in the end in that way. was I like how Superman basically leaves it up to him. And that was just a really, really nice touch after everything to just be like, here, you choose. I'm not choosing. You choose. And then Captain Marvel says, no, I'm not choosing either of those. And he does his own thing. And sacrifices himself and i thought that was really fucking heroic and very sad so it's really cool because i mean like you said in a lot of ways we still see the kid you know playing superhero so it's very 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 heroic so yeah it was just great showing yeah well they do kind of a fake out because like at first you thought like when uh when superman says listen you're immortal you're more human than any of us what do you think and then he charges up toward the nuclear missiles and you think he's going to save everyone and then you see the mushroom cloud, and it shows everyone dead. <laughs> so it's kind of like a Nelson, ha-ha, kind of situation. Right. <laughs> and then you find out he detonated in the air, so, right. okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it was good. And, yeah, I did like that dynamic, because Captain Marvel, out of all of them, is the most, like, he's played both roles. He's played the most basic of human little kid, and he's played Mr. Superhero, so with Superman-like strength and power and all that. So it's really interesting definitely a very cool conclusion so yeah i'd give the nod to him as my personal favorite of all the characters still i mean unfortunately there's some things i just you probably got more of it than i did because there's some things i just don't recognize some things i'm not familiar enough with yet um 
Vandal Savage, I recognized the Lex Luthor get together. Uh, I, I don't think I recognized virtually anyone else other than Catwoman, Lex Luthor, and Vandal Savage. Uh, there's Riddler. Riddler, okay, yeah, he, he he's there with Catwoman. That's right. And then uh, let's see. Let me scroll down and see who they have listed. Um, boop, 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 boop. Okay, it was Lex Luthor, Captain Marvel, Vandal Savage. Um, the son of Batman and Talia al Ghul, the heir to Razo. Oh, I didn't recognize him. What's his name? Uh, it's really confusing. It's not, it's not Damien. No, it's it? not Damien. Okay. I think this was pre-Damien even being invented. <laughs> um, Preconceived. Right. Uh, it's Ibn Al. It's really, it's just a bunch of letters. It's I-B-N space A-L space x u. I remember that. I'm like, what the um, fuck is apostrophe that? F-F-A-S-C-H. So, yeah, it's the son of Batman and Talia Ghul, the heir to Ra's al Ghul's, or Ra's al Ghul's criminal organization, and used as a mole to infiltrate Luther's MLF. His role is not to fully revealed until the third issue. Um, and when he is standing among the outsiders, just before Zatara teleports Batman to the Batcave in Arabic, his name means son of the bat. And Justice Society of America, Volume 3, Number 22, shows him at Batman's funeral 20 years later, married to Night Star with two children, a daughter and a son. Uh, and then it was him, um, Catwoman, Edward Nigma, the Riddler, of course, uh, Lord Naga, a cult leader better known as Cobra. Don't know who that is. King of Spades, I'm aware of. Is, um, he's part of the Royal Flesh Gang. He, he's in uh, oh, okay. he's in Batman. Doom. Yeah, he's also in Batman Beyond. Okay. Uh, he's one of the villains in Batman Beyond. Uh, red, white, and blue. Three heavily armored terrorists. I don't know what their prominence is. But yeah, so I mean, there's not a whole lot of well-known that I know. But I mean, you have Riddler, you have Catwoman, you have Vandal Savage, who's a very uh, popular villain of the Justice League and Superman, who, who's basically immortal. Scandal Savage's daughter. Um <laughs> I'm sorry, go on. Scandal Savage is her name. It's his daughter. It's, it's kind of funny, though. It's it's just, I, I wasn't ready for that. It's, it's her name, though. Anyways. <laughs> and, yeah. And Lex Luthor, of course, had mind-controlled Captain Marvel. So, yes. Uh, scores? Scores? Um, oh, boy. Uh, I'd probably give this... I want to say like 8.6. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I was going to give it a solid 7. Yeah. It's like my 8.6. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's good. <laughs> Our proportions seem to be pretty close together, but. Uh, so, it, like, honestly, when you, when you do the curve, it's like the same score pretty much, but. Of enjoyment factor, yes. Yeah, um. Good stuff. Uh, eventually, we're going to have to rank. Uh, once we get enough episodes in, we'll pick the, our favorite things we've read, and we'll see how this holds up. Yeah, definitely. And um, to wrap this up, of course, if you guys have recommendations, we're more than willing to take them. For now, we're gonna. I, I'm still of the mindset I want to get Brandon here to read a lot of the ones I've read. I mean, I haven't read like a a million so it's not going to take too long and i'm only cherry picking the best of the best in my opinion or at least my favorites i should say i'm not gonna have them read every little thing that i've ever read but um 
But we're also going to take some recommendations from people. I know Shadowloo and Razor had some own recommendations, etc. And I want to start reading some things I haven't read, So, which we're going to actually start with this upcoming episode. So for next week, we are going to read, in preparation for Batman vs. Superman, we figured we'd kind of have it thematic to that, and to a degree. Well, nothing Superman related, so to speak. But we're going to have Batman, the New 52... The first volume, The Court of Owls, is highly recommended. I thought it it was tremendous, honestly. It got incredibly good reviews when they came out. And um, that was right around when I started reading comic books back in 2011. So I was getting super pumped at that time. And yes, I fell in love with that that uh, volume. Or just the new 52. Scott Snyder is really, really good at what he does. So we're going to read the first volume of that. So the first seven issues called The Court of Owls um, and Wonder Woman's first volume for her for her uh, new 52 series, which I've heard great things. And I think Brandon has read that if I am. I have. Yes. Yeah. I, well, I won't say. Right. Right. Yeah. And I bought that for my fiance a couple years back. So I have that already. So I will read that and those will be our two for the next episode which should be in a couple weeks two weeks from now i would imagine and yeah so check those out if you can i know you can find them cheap on amazon about 10 bucks each or comiXology or whatever you fancy and check those out and let me know because court of owls has some really really amazing stuff some really fun really great story uh development and stuff and just really interesting kind of covering something completely new to Batman, not his typical same old, same old rogues gallery, which I don't get sick of them, but I mean, it's always nice to have some fresh new content, of course, as well. And like, I've heard great things about Wonder Woman as well. So check those out in preparation for the reviews for those in two weeks. Let us know what you thought about the reviews here and anything else we talked about uh, on this episode and give your scores. Once again, if you want to if the two people that gave their scores last time, if they want to redo their scores after Deadpool as well, then, hey, post it on this video. And anybody else that wants to have their scores read when we read our scores and compare them in the future, go ahead and leave those as comments or on the face. Preferably, I'd prefer you to just leave them on the YouTube so I can look at them all on one. I don't have to go searching through both type of thing would be nice. Especially because this is going to last the entire year. So it's a, <laughs> there's going to be a point where Facebook, <laughs> looking back through the Facebook, is just not possible. Um, I do eventually want to review something bad. Like, it would be nice to, I mean, if it's worth talking about, I wouldn't mind reading something terrible. You yeah, know, I just mean, to help you appreciate the good ones. <laughs> yeah, no, it, yeah, just a contrast with the, what the good stuff we have read. Like, you know, it'd be interesting to talk about why something doesn't work right now it's just kind of a i don't know like a, just a parade of just how great batman and superman all that stuff is right. it'd be nice to review something that just falls apart you know yeah and on that note we have uh, if we have another episode here after two weeks we should have another discussion here before batman vs superman so we'll have our final thoughts going into the movie on the next episode kind of our last impressions before we actually get to finally see it plus we have daredevil to cover as well so we'll have some impressions on the trailers thus far that's going to be oh impressions of the trailer i can do obviously yeah. but that's going to be like to review that 13 episodes uh the yeah we I might know how quick i'm going to go right right that. we might have to do like a two or three episodes at a time type of thing 
split up between episodes, of course. And, and I, I do want to remind people that, like, if I ever trash something that you like, like Evil Dead in this case, I kind of, I was very critical of. You know, it's just my opinion. A lot of people love it. A lot of people I respect love it. You know, never take it to heart. You know, I, I, I get it, but some of this stuff is just not for me, like by any means. You know, sure. I feel like that's something I should have said before we said anything about Mad Max months ago, but I, I'm saying it now because I, I believe it. You know, nothing I say is ever gospel. It's it's all me. If you disagree, that's totally cool. Yes, yes. Uh, damn, I was just thinking of something that we should have done. But anyways, we can do it uh, for the yeah, week. Yeah, me too. I was thinking of something we should have covered, but we'll have to get to it next time. Well, I was thinking of a comic recommendation, but we can set that up for next episode. We will have it be maybe possibly one of the recommendations, and it will tie into Daredevil. Do gotcha. a Daredevil comic for something different. But anyways, uh, on that note, is the end of this episode. Like it, love it, and give us your feedback, guys. We want to have some good interaction, and we will address it the next time. If anybody has some comments on what we said, I will hope we can hopefully uh, address it on the next episode. And on that note, take care, guys. Adios. Yeah. Stay safe, people. <laughs>